Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 206, and this week we are joined by longtime GFOP Otto Eisenberg here to talk to us about the ride for missing children going on June 7th, uh, and also to talk about uh, he's in remission. What a crazy uh, time to have him on. He was so happy to, to talk to him and have him share his story with us. He was very, very candid. It was a great, great conversation, so thank you, Otto. Uh, also this week we're going to talk about some local news. We're going to talk about uh, the Doomsday Report, some history lessons, Winston Churchill, the spelling bee, Oct winners, uh, the most Googled person in upstate New York, bits some other blogs, Dr. Seuss, all of this, folks, and so much more. And of course, Barks and Brews this weekend as well. Uh, episode 206. We're two weeks away from our four-year anniversary creeping up on us. Uh, as always, folks, we are happy to have you here. My God, I very rarely, let me just start right now. I'm going to start right now and just get it out of the way. I very rarely am like a happy-go-lucky individual. I generally don't have like the best. I'm a little cynical. I'm a cynical guy. I don't believe that. And yet, you don't, you don't. I'm just kidding. No, seriously, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, you can back me up. I'm pretty cynical in my private life. I feel like you're not as cynical as you'd. You're not. As I'd like to think I am. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I tend to think that good things are not always going to happen for me. Is that closer? Sure. So I have a self-defeatist attitude? Is sure. That, okay, sure. Sure. This week, for the first time since 2005, when my beloved Steven Gerrard led them to victory in Istanbul, Liverpool Football, football Club, ah, Liverpool Football Club are the champions of Europe! I'm surprised you guys aren't applauding oh, yeah. or... Woo! Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you. I appreciated it. Yes. It was a big moment for me, and I, and I found out something interesting about it. It's weird to be really, really invested in a sport that, like, most other people are not invested in. So I didn't really have anyone to, like, celebrate it with, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm celebrating it here with you, our fine listeners, uh, on our 206th episode, Liverpool Champions of Europe. My heart soars oh. with joy and gratitude for this team and these players and the manager, Jurgen Klopp. That's it. I can move on past Liverpool now and we can talk about other things. Kevin, yeah, what did you think of the game? You were forced to watch it. No, I wasn't. You didn't watch that game with me? Oh, you sorry, you went to your brother's house. It was very boring. Most yeah, I didn't watch the game at all. <laughs> well, you were I mean. alone. No. I was just me. I guess it was just me. All right. Uh, welcome back to the show, folks. Now that's out of the way, uh, episode 206. I'm, of course, your host, Sam Famolaro. Joined, as always, by the lovely and talented Heather Waz. Heather, what's up? What? Hey, I got to give you credit. You, uh, you survived your first... Utica Zoo major yeah. events yesterday at Wine in the Wilderness. Yeah, yeah. How did it go? It was awesome. Did you enjoy yourself? What was the it, thing? It that... was fun. We have a great team. Yeah. So we all work well together, and it, we had a good time. So it made it easier, like a big, like a thing like that, having a good team that we can back each other up and get things done. Mm-hmm. So it was awesome. Very good. Very good. Uh, I saw the Maiden Utica folks were there. I have a question. I don't know how much of this you can answer because, you know, your job and all yeah. that. How many people who go to this event are, like, hammered? By the all time. of them. All of them. So it's like a <laughs> I heavy... Feel like everybody was at the end of the night. <laughs> That's kind of what I was expecting. And I, I guess what my question... Like, I don't know about you guys. 
I feel like getting really drunk on wine is not a great time for me. Well, I feel like people don't who don't drink wine a lot don't understand how quickly they get drunk on That's it. That's a great point. Because actually. you could get bottles of wine while you're there and just drink them. So people are just walking around <laughs> bottles of wine drinking them. So. That's kind of a power play move. I feel like I would. I feel like you won't be able to sample stuff that way, though. You can't go around and try different things. Oh, they're, they're sampling and holding bottles of wine, and they're having wine slushies oh, and wine gummies. <laughs> Did you try them? How were the slushies and gummies? I didn't get to try the slushies, but they apparently were really good. Okay, hmm. so. you? what are your thoughts on getting wine drunk? You a wine drunk person? I like wine. <laughs> What's your wine of choice? I don't think I have a wine of choice. I like uh, dark, dry, red. Dark, dry, red. The drier the better. Mm. Mm. Like a Multipolciano. Sure. <laughs> Chianti. A Chianti. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the next event for you guys? A brew fest. Professor, you do you think that wine in the wilderness adequately prepared you? Kind for? of. <laughs> kind of. That was like like these were like really happy drunks. Not that Professor would be bad drunk. So it's like more <laughs> sure. like a frat party. I feel is gonna happen then. <laughs> well, wine drunk versus beer drunk is a different thing. Yeah, I think I was too. Curious to see how it is. A lot more people at Brewfest. Yeah, but yes. this one was one of our we hit like one of our highest ever with this one. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see just if that was big for wine in the wilderness. I'm cool. curious to see what. Brewfest will be like. I was actually at Brewfest last year, um, and it was very, very full. Like yep. it was crazy how many people you guys pack in there for these events. So excellent work to all the folks at the Utica Zoo. Uh, Kevin, what's up? Uh, I didn't put this in this week's history lesson because I wasn't sure how far we wanted to get into it. But did you know that today is the 20 year anniversary of the seminal Blink One Eighty Two album Enema of the State? Wow, I did. Uh, oh, crazy, <laughs> well, there's been articles about it today. I read the same internet. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm on the same internet uh, as you guys are. It's all out there. Uh, let me ask you, as as two guys who, uh, you know, I, I certainly point to Blink-182 as one of the most important bands in my lifetime because of how it helped me learn to play guitar and get into, like, wanting to play live music with other people. Yeah. Um, how do you think that as a Blink-182 fan, Blink-182 is aged for guys like us, like 20 years later? Um... Fine. Yeah. It's been, it's been fine. If you like it then, you like it now. Yeah. I think that's fair, too. I think that people find it interesting. Like, I still enjoy Blink-182's music. There's some stuff from the era that we grew up in, like that punk rock era, that I don't think holds up quite as well for me years later. Uh, but Blink-182, I think, maybe just because of how connected it was to like the early guitar stages. because you liked my... it more, and you liked it first. That's all. That's a good point, too. Yeah. Yeah. Enema yeah. uh, of the State, great album. Uh, you got a favorite track off Enema of the State? Um... Aliens exist. Wendy Clear going away to college would be those non-singles all, to go look at. Those are all very good. Was Dumpweed on that one too? Yeah, yeah. Dumpweed also a good song. What's your Blink One Eighty Two history? I Heather? don't even remember. I just knew I liked all their songs. <laughs> Does that help? Um, no, that's fair. I mean, how popular was Blink One Eighty Two? I guess I, I one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah. Were they one of the? For sure. Well, because I always think sometimes because we like stuff that maybe I think like it's like yeah. I know that they were even big. I knew they were they huge. Were, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were one of the biggest songs. bands ever. They were never as big as, like, Green Day, though, right? Sure they were. I feel like they were Hell bigger yeah, they were. in a different way. Bigger in a different... That's an interesting debate. I no, I do. I think, like, Green Day has... I don't like Green Day better, like, but I think Green Day they, has more cultural relevancy yeah. now. No. No, you don't think so? Pro- I mean, if you... It will depends, because there's a couple of specific things that Green Day has. Uh, Blink, Blink never had a song that was as transcendently ubiquitous as like uh, Good Riddance, Time of Your Life. Yeah, like Graduation right. That's true. Song. Like... That goes a long way, and Blink never really had a second era. 
with like That's the true. very dolled up rock opera new age like political thing. And I think that actually, if if you're a guy like me, I think that second act of Green Day is the act that I could I don't really care for as much. Like the sort of post American Idiot era of Green Day does nothing for me at all. Um, I don't know. I think that for Blink-182, I think the problem, too, and you say about the second arc is because they weren't really able to stay together because Tom DeLonge kept, like, doing his well, other thing. they were thing apart and... for a long time. Yeah. Is what it is more than anything. Is they, you know, they just, they spent a long period after they put out probably their most um, indelible album. They, you know, they broke apart right after that and were apart for a considerable amount of time. So there's only so much you can do That's in that true. meantime. And, you know, by the time you come back, people's tastes have changed. The landscape has changed. Music mm-hmm. scenes have changed. Hmm. Very good. So there we are. Blink-182. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did love that album when it came out. I'm trying to remember like whether I went to the store and bought it or if I was working at the record store. I guess I probably wasn't working at the record oh, store. Definitely not. Definitely not. That definitely. Been, you weren't like, legally 13. allowed to yeah. work with that album. That's came true. Out. That's right. Uh, I wonder how I convinced my mom to get it for me. My mom was not always primed to giving me like parental advisory albums at the time. I guess I guess there was ways around. You should get it for you or just get a copy from somebody? I don't remember. I think I had an actual physical copy of it though, not a burned copy because I remember the the cover of the CD, which is a thing for that you kids don't remember anymore, what CDs looked like. It had like a doctor on it. It had like weird, uh, like medical symbols on it. Like it had the. He means on the actual CD. On the oh, actual oh, CD. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have no idea what any of my CDs oh, yeah. look like. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move on to this week's news. I could talk for Blink 22 for like three hours, honestly. Okay. We don't. Have, we can if you want. No, I'm good. <laughs> uh, I do have some local news before that. Just want to say Sunday, June 9th, next Handshake City event. Barks and Brews, number two. Uh, I'm not really here to say what my favorite events of the year, but this is one of my favorite events. I have dogs, and I like this. I, <laughs> I think that's the key, too. A lot of people who come down without dogs just because they love doggos. You see people were posting that they want to come with people that have dogs just so they can come to the event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So kind of cool. Hitch along with people who have dogs. If people have more than one dog, you can pretend that one of their dogs is yours. And you can come if you don't have a dog. Yeah. I don't know where this idea is coming from. <laughs> I just think but I'm going to dip it before it gets any track. You're more than welcome. Anybody who wants to come to Barks and Brews, bring a dog. Don't bring a dog. Uh, Sunday the You're 9th. You're still welcome. Sunday the 9th uh, from 12 to 4 p.m. Uh, handshake.city slash events. All right. Uh, I have three local stories oh. for you guys this week uh, that we can talk about. Uh, varying levels of interest for the people out there. Let's start with the one that uh, I thought was interesting. Did you guys see that the Utica Salvation Army Thrift Store will be closing uh, next month? Uh this is kind of a sad one. They've already sold this location to... Uh, they've already sold the location to uh, MVHS, and they've been looking for another location, but they are claiming that they have not been able to find a suitable location. Uh, this was a quote uh, from Robert Miga, their uh, administrator of business. We've been searching since uh, since we've known, since the rumors came out, that there was a hospital, and it was about four years ago now, but actively been searching for two years, uh, and there have been a couple locations, but trying to fill them within the budget. He sort of trails off. Uh are you sad at all, guys, that the Utica Salvation Army is closing? I'm not a supporter of the Salvation Army, but I am sad for like the people who rely on it mm. and the people who have jobs there. Yeah. Yeah, I can go with that. I, I mean, Salvation Army, pretty like nasty organization, all things considered. But with that being said, you know, for the people that went... I'm not sad for the people that want to go down there and scoop cheap basketball jerseys or ironically ironically ugly shirts. Those people, my heart does not weep for at all. Um, But for the people who actually, yeah, for the people who rely on it, it's going to be tough. And, you know, I mean, there's luckily we've got plenty of, you know, I don't know what buildings these guys are looking at. I don't really know what they're doing. But luckily we do have plenty of empty commercial real estate for them to fill in somewhere else. And hopefully they can get back to it as soon as possible because it serves, you know, an important need in the community. 
I like how you're just taking shots at guys like me and, uh, me and Zach and Justin and go and look at her basketball jersey. It's, 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 no, it's, it's not <laughs> true. No, I, know, I, know. I, mean, I know what you, you mean. You can afford to get clothes. Yeah, even, yeah. Going, whole, yeah. Yeah. even me going into Salvation Army and be like, they have cool t-shirts sometimes does feel like I'm misusing the property for what it's actually there. Well, not for. even that because your money's you going in and allowing them to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like they've only got three t-shirts and you on the rack. You know? yeah, right, but right. It's just like when those people like, oh, when those people come with the alligator tears, I don't believe them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. somebody who needs that place to actually put clothes on their family's yeah. back, those are the people yep. who are in the mind's heart and heart's mind first. No, that's a great point. I think that's fair. Uh, do you guys want to move on to this one? Uh, this is a story that got national coverage this week. I just want to, I'm just going to read, I'm going to read the headline. I'm just going to read the story and see how you guys react to it. Watertown City School District teacher has been placed on administrative leave after being accused of making black students act as slaves in a mock auction as part of her school lesson. Just going to let that hang in the air for a second. Uh, And as an educator, where do you get this idea from to start with? Uh, (laughs) So the mother of one of the students reported this, uh, saying that her student, her child and another African-American child were put up in the middle of a class and told that they were slaves. The teacher then started the bidding with the other students in the class and forced the kids to call them, like, master for the rest of the day. This is a fourth grade classroom, okay. mind you. I I don't really have a take on... I mean, if it was a play or something and they were, like, like was playing a part, role? Like a, I'd like, pick a different but, play. But, yeah, I know. Pick a different but, play, no. But seriously, that's the saddest thing. This is not the only time this has been going on. There's been reports of like similar like things happening around the nation. Yeah, Four hundred years now. Oh my god. I mean, I guess just for me, like this story, I work in a public education like in a, in a building with a massively diverse kids. I could never imagine any teacher ever even pitching this idea to somebody in private and them going, "Listen, this idea." Never tell anybody. You're like not, he, <laughs> you're also not a dusty ass six year old racist from like an economically depressed ghost town. No, like, that's yeah, true. I mean, yeah, like I'm not. I guarantee this teacher's not 27. That's a great point. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. And like, this teacher's been doing. And it for I guarantee a while, this teacher's and... done this a bunch of times, and now is the first time people are hearing about. You ever been to Watertown? Uh, I mean, last guy. Watertown's fine. I know some people from Watertown, but like, does this surprise me? This is going on Watertown? No, mm. I'm not surprised by this. Uh, I if it's happening in that small town, it's happening to hundreds of other. Absolutely, see in the news yeah. all the time. I feel like I see a story at least once every other week about some school class did some weird thing like this, where you're making like black kids pretend to be slaves or different. If shit teachers like that. are it's being getting in trouble, then that's a good thing that we keep seeing it on the news. As long as they're right, being held accountable for yeah, your bullshit. Exactly. Yeah, if they're yeah. being held accountable. Yeah, if right. like what's going to happen? She's on administrative leave. She's going to be back in two weeks. Administrative leave for the rest of the school year. Probably get bumped back. And, and, and get paid too, right? Yeah, of course. Awesome. Teachers union is one of the strongest. Congratulations. Nations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I mean, again, this lady was almost my. Uh, my, I'm done with this lady for the week. She should be. She should be. Uh, well, we could talk about Dave Gordon for a second if you guys want. He's my third news story about Dave I've Gordon. I've been done with that girl. And Anthony Vicente's uh, sort of ongoing. Have you guys seen what's going on here? I heard some of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Dave Gordon uh, basically came out, uh, perpetual candidate Dave Gordon came out and claimed that uh, Anthony Vicente, United County Executive, had had an affair uh, with somebody uh, in the office and that they had a child out of this affair and then gone through the process of hiding this child? A poor kid. Uh, and now... Uh, what kid? What kid? The kid that doesn't exist. 
The poor like, kid. Poor, kid you mean poor mentally ill Dave Gordon. <laughs> Let, let's make no mistake. For the record, Kevin Sullivan wants to remind you Dave Gordon beats his wife. <laughs> it's true. Um, Put it out there. You know, so... And then blamed her for being pregnant and her hormones. Yeah, I mean, this guy is trash. Like you said, perpetual candidate, runs for everything, out here lying. And that's the crazy thing, too, because like, if you want to come at Anthony Pacenti and run against him, there's plenty of ammunition out there. You sure. Know I mean? There's a lot to say. He's had... He's been in the position for a long time. He's done a lot of things that are very, you know, polarizing for people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're spending way too much money renovating his office. A little inside baseball for you. <laughs> but, like, so there's legitimate things you can come at him with yeah, instead of right. a weird press conference by yourself on the sidewalk outside the county building. Mm. Dave Gordon is a goon and a clown and the worst. Uh, he's he's quite a character. I, I can't understand what his end game is just to get elected into any any position that will anything. have him, anything that will have him. Anybody that will have him, yeah. Uh, so Dave Gordon, if you're ever looking for a place to come talk, uh, no, we're not, <laughs> you can't come on the podcast. I'm putting the official Uticast <laughs> like, no. seal of unapproval on Soon Dave enough, Gordon. Be down there stand, be he's going to be down there standing next to Rainbow on Varick Street. Just wait. <laughs> All right. Cowboy for Comptroller. <laughs> That's what you're gonna get. I would vote for Cowboy over him, actually. Uh, another one, man. Every time, every time you think that like these the Jim Zeckers of the world can't stick around forever, you'll see like Dave Gordon coming right up behind him. I was like, God damn it! I don't know. I have to deal with you for <laughs> the rest of the time I'm living here. I mean, until you never go to jail for one of your crimes, but like still, I don't know him at all. I, I did, yeah. however. Go into a school board meeting a couple weeks ago, and this was part of... Now, mind you, I work in education, and I have to be forced by an assignment through college to go to a school board meeting because they are very dull for anyone who's ever been to a school board meeting. I go in there, I sit down, and who is there? Of course, Dave Gordon is sitting there, and I couldn't enjoy the meeting. He didn't do anything. He didn't say a word, but I just sat there, and I was like, his presence, I'm like, he's going to do... just marveling I'm like, he's going to do something, isn't he? He's going to do some wild nonsense, and uh, luckily he did not, and if he did, it was after I left, but uh, yeah, what a, what a character. It's that smug face, I think, is the problem. He's got a very smug face. Well, plus the, like, plus the being like a bad guy with poor policies. <laughs> well, that too. All right, that's all I have for local news this week, unless you guys have anything else local you want to talk about. Uh, all right, let's move on to a couple quick national stories. Actually, I only have one real national story. Uh, I'm going to pour one out. R.I.P. iTunes. Apple is breaking up its iconic, quote-unquote, music platform, iTunes. Uh, I don't know what this means for anybody. I'm mostly concerned about what it means for my library of iTunes music on my computer. I, I assume I'll still be able to get to it. I was... But I feel like Spotify yeah. really destroyed. They they're just getting rid of iTunes. Uh, and they're making music and movies and podcasts all separate applications instead of trying to make it one yeah. big overarching thing. I mean, I don't even use iTunes anymore now that there's Spotify and all that. I mean, that's I mean, this, I've heard that sentence from every person in America, I think, besides myself. Yeah. I don't know, unless yeah. I purchased a song, unless I needed something for like a video I was making or something like that. Am I underselling how important iTunes may have been at a certain time by sort of not caring that this is going out of business seemingly a couple years too late? No, it's not important. Was it a big deal, though? No. It never was. They tried to. Never, yeah. It's just, I mean, it was a preferred way for a lot of people to organize their music just because it was the default program that came. You know what I mean? It was never the best. It was never the most efficient. It was just like the one that came well, I think on... It- it I mean, was the one that came on the computers that everybody was buying. I would well, say I think it was more of like a transition, though. Yeah, because that's you part went of from it too. CDs, so I think it was at one point for a small amount of time was kind of important because it was the transition from like CDs to downloading music I mean, to your phone. I'm not going to say that there was. Like you're paying for music. 
There was a time when I did. Pay I paid. Music. I have a whole that's list wild. of music. Yeah. There was definitely that's wild. there was definitely a time when I'd be like, "Oh, this new album came out. It's nine dollars. I'll just yeah, buy it." Yeah, no, I that's, used to do it. Yeah, like here, yeah. How often though? In my car. If I couldn't illegally download it, exactly. I mean, yeah. There you go. But that's what. Right. I. I mean, that's the end of the question, month, I suppose. Maybe. It's true. If Something you went on my thing, real niche. Something I'd have a hard time finding. You know what I mean? Parquet yeah, courts. That's true because I have Apple, my, I've had my Apple phone for seven years and yeah. I have seven songs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only songs I really think on my iTunes that aren't uh, things I f- put on myself is whatever YouTube albums they keep putting on there yeah. against my will. So uh, so that's the end of iTunes. I guess I'm not going to pour anything out for them. No. Uh, what are we at? 18 minutes? I guess we'll blast through the, um, the uh, Doomsday Report real quick. Uh, a new report came out this week. Right. Uh, that apparently, uh, this is from Melbourne, Australia, so if you trust the Australians. Uh, this is, again, I feel like we had this article all the time. Climate change uh, analysts in Melbourne are now saying that there's a high likelihood of human civilization coming to an end by the year 2050. That's our yeah. new... I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> nobody wants to hear about this right now. Well, I feel like we talk about well, it that's all... That's the problem. Yeah, nobody wants to hear about it, so we'll just keep sleepwalking towards it and let our kids do it. Well, I'm glad you said that because the quote I have written down here is, I feel like we have this story a lot. I'm going to be really annoyed when people are surprised when the world ends. Oh, you know, the first, <laughs> no time, one talked the first about time something really big and undeniable happens, you'll see a ton of people being like, oh my God, how could we not know? It's like, what do you mean you didn't know? Like, it's... Have this stuff's happening now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things are happening right now. You know what I mean? And people are like, oh, well, I didn't know. You know, that's, that's your own fault. assuredly going to happen. But I also think that there's so many of these articles that you read that some people are like, well, is it really going to happen? Like, that's, I'm not saying that's the right mentality. Yeah, yeah. But I think that... it's not it's not the onus on the people who are conveyors of information to force the people into critical thinking and giving a shit outside their own bubble, right? Like, right. That's certainly. on the people. That's not on... Oh well, maybe if you guys wrote less articles, people would read them. No, no, that's not the no. people for being willfully ignorant. Right, that's a great point. You're being purposely obtuse to it if you if you're finding a way around uh, of what you're reading. So I feel like lately I've been watching what people are doing on social media and mm-hmm. feeling disturbed by it because I'm now thinking about all the bad things that are happening and plastic mm-hmm. and and climate change, and I'm looking at and I'm almost getting annoyed now with mm-hmm. people because yeah. I feel like nobody's thinking about it right now. Yeah. So I've been off of going on Facebook proper outside of sharing the podcast for almost, let's call it a month now, mm-hmm. right? Like really have stayed hard away, not yeah, even yeah. looking at family pictures, not looking at anything. Yeah. Nothing. So I went on well, yesterday. Unless I'm directly tagged, yeah. it's a group that we use or marketplace. Yeah. But I've noticed that because I don't check it, I've been missing a lot of like Maiden Utica Founders messages. So I've mm-hmm. been, the last couple of days, I've been going back on just trying to see if we have notifications. Yeah. And I did sort of scroll through Facebook yesterday for a little bit, and I immediately regretted going back. Yep. Like it was almost... You Im- felt worse, didn't you? Yeah, because I knew better. Not even like that, uh, you know, but like you just reading it, it makes you feel worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean... You- I'm already like kind of like uh, easy to get down on. Like, and you read stuff it's like, ah, oh, it's a downer. But it's just so much negativity and so many people. Like, that's the only people left. It does feel like that's the only people left. And it, it's obviously not, though, because it still has so many people. We're going to talk about Facebook again a little bit later. But, but um, it's important to not get uh, like Facebook at large uh, confused with your personal bubble. That's an interesting point, too. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. when I say all the people left, I mean all the people that in you awe, were friends yeah. with have left. The mm. people who are like them in other people's lives that are their friends, really good live point. in Connecticut, yeah. or they live yeah, in that's a really good point. Tennessee, yeah. those same people who become gross to your friends that have left the platform up here have done it there, too. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's still a ton of people on Facebook, but it's still the sewer. 
How much of the fact that <laughs> Facebook has such high like numbers of people in it is the fact that it's really hard to delete? And instead of actually getting rid of a Facebook profile, most people just abandon it. And they just exist as like zombie profiles. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the fact that it's really hard to delete. It's the fact that they've baked in your Facebook login credentials for a billion yes. different apps and services. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to use an app or a different website or different thing like that, and Facebook. you need to log in with Facebook. Facebook yeah. You know what Some I mean? Some don't even get the email option and, anymore. Well, and that's the thing. They do, and, yeah. you know, they do that by design. Even yeah. if Facebook doesn't own them, you're in cahoots together, and they do that to make it really hard to delete your Facebook profile. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have one, they have one for you. Yeah. We have shadow profiles for all sorts of people, whether you have Facebook or not. The shadow profiles. God, what a world we live in. <laughs> um, speaking of the world we live in, you guys ready for one more, a little more lighthearted? That'd be great. Uh, okay, so uh, what do you guys know about the Loch Ness Monster? Oh, uh, not real. Not real. That's your, that's your general <laughs> thought. Not real? Not real Loch Ness Monster? Doesn't seem feasible. Uh, so we do, I do a thing, I used to, well, I used to do a thing with people on this podcast, I do the uh, the skepticism meter. I would say, do you believe in Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, aliens, and ghosts in that order? And I tried to figure out where people buy in. Most people buy in at aliens, but not at Bigfoot, and no one ever buys in on Loch Ness Monster. That seems to be the general, the, the scaling of like what you believe in and what you don't. I feel like I want to, I want to believe it would be real. <laughs> I, I, it's I the really one that I would... Bigfoot and the Loch Ness I would love Monster for them to all be real. Yeah, especially Bigfoot. <laughs> Uh, well, news coming out today uh, from the BBC uh, says that maybe there is something to be interested in in Loch Ness. Uh, Loch Ness contains more water than any lake in England and Wales combined, make it one of the UK's deepest and potentially most mysterious lakes. A research group from the University of uh, New Zealand has found some surprising evidence that would suggest that a monster might have existed. Uh, apparently what they found is caverns in the basement, or not the base, in the floor of the Loch Ness that lead off into, like, other patches of water huh. so that there could have been ways for it to like lay in its own area basically mm-hmm. now they're not implying that there's actually a living monster down there but the, the lake itself has deeper and more cavernous yeah, bases you, listen, than you give you it credit told me for they found a 95 year old set of bones from some giant creature down there mm-hmm. i'd believe that 100 percent. you know what i mean the fact that something big could have lived down there become a legend people spot something mm-hmm. people mistake something for something else whatever it is I just don't think there's actively a monster out there today because I feel like somebody would have seen it. Uh, there's also reports from the leader that they took DNA from creatures that have lived in the lake. And uh, when they looked at that DNA, they found out that there might have been evidence that one theory behind a monster in the lake could have been real. But I don't... That's less... It's not enough that doesn't for do it for me. enough for me. Again, I would... I'm a... I mean, I didn't go see the Godzilla movie that came out this week, but I'm a huge nerd for giant monsters. So, please, if there's... I'm for it. Loch Ness Monster. Real. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, All right, that's it. That's all I have for Doomsday Report this week. Uh, Let's get to this week's interview. And it was, first off, Otto uh, Otto Eisenberg, who is here ostensibly to talk about the uh, Ride for Missing Children, which is going on this weekend, uh, June 7th. Uh, If you haven't already, go to his Facebook page or his Twitter account. Uh, We'll put the links in. He is still uh, raising funds to try and get to his cap for this weekend's event. Uh, Otto has been a great, great supporter of Made in Utica for a long time. He's a really active listener of the podcast. He's super active on Twitter. Uh, and I really wanted him to come on and talk about Ride for Missing Children. But also this week, it just, I, I mean, this wasn't why we asked him to come on. But two hours before he came onto the podcast, he put out a, an announcement on Twitter that he is now 100% in remission from his non-Hodgkin's awesome. lymphoma. So in, over the course of this interview, while we do start off talking about Ride for Missing Children, uh, a good portion of the end of this interview is a really in-depth, really candid discussion with Otto about when he found out uh, what his motivations were, how he reacted, uh, and where he 
and what he had to do to get to where he is today. And and uh, it's very inspiring to talk to Otto. It was a great conversation. Uh, and we were very, very pleased that he was here to come talk to us and have this great candid conversation. So uh, let's just get into it. Otto Eisenberg, back in just a moment. Yeah, oh, I, I, I spent the last two mornings uh, just trying to get cleaned up. <laughs> I, every day is the same thing. It's if it's nice out, it's it's out riding the bike, yeah, or out running or whatever. And if it's not nice, it's oh, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's too. It's the we've been so caught up with um, with rain the last couple of weeks. Maybe put your chair just a little closer. Uh, uh, we've been so caught up with the rain the last couple of weeks that the it's funny too. I would rather and people will laugh at me. It's early in the summertime. I would rather take snow than the rain. I don't know what it is. It's just such a downer. I, I'm 100% in on that. Um, a, I like winter better to begin with. <laughs> yes. That's a whole different story. Oh, you're, you're an upstate guy. It's all yeah, right. It's yeah. good. Um, but if I go out in the snow in the winter yeah. and come back in. Yeah, feeling good. I, I'm... It brushes off my jacket. <laughs> yes. I, I walk a... <laughs> away. I'm not soaked to the core. I go outside in the rain like this, and no matter what you wear, you come back wow. in and you're, you're soaked. It, it's just it uncomfortable. Kills, what kills me in the morning is, because I work in a school, this happens all the time. It is the, I will get up and I'll look at the weather. I'll say it's like 60 degrees. It's like 50 degrees out now, but it's going to be 70 by the end of the day. So I'm like, yep. how do I... How do I prep how I'm going to dress for the day? Am I just going to be cold in the morning so that when I get out, I don't have to have like nine bags worth of stuff on me? Yeah. Uh, and then last time this happened to me, it rained on the way out. So I was like overdressed and wet and then like wearing a sweater. I was like, this is the worst. I made a mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I could do with an extended couple days with no rain. I know Justin Parkinson of Maiden Utica was just down here complaining because he wants to go to the park to do work down there. And he's like, well, I can't What's even the mow the lawn now because it's all a mess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Otto, I want to thank you for coming in on this, uh, again, slightly rainy Sunday afternoon. Did you have, you were supposed to have a cycling race today? Yeah, we were supposed to have, uh, our last commitment ride of the season was supposed to be this morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, thunderstorms coming up in another hour or so, so they, they canceled that. And, uh, you've been a really, really active, uh, participant in the Ride for Missing Children all over the state. Uh, you were just in Buffalo last Friday? Uh, yes. Buffalo last Friday, Rochester two weeks before that. Utica next week, and then Albany and Syracuse in September. Awesome, that's really really cool, man. And uh, and I'm very excited to talk about that. But let's uh, let's go back to start in the beginning here. And I guess a good place to start uh, would be where you're from initially. Where you born? Uh, born in Utica. Born in Utica. Uh, uh, moved to Deerfield shortly after. Uh, my parents moved here from Minnesota. Oh, okay. Uh, they lived in Iowa and Illinois. Prior to that, or nice. when they met. So what brought them to Utica initially? Uh, job. My dad Work. got a job at MV, 
Oh, nice. Did, uh, is he there still? Nope, he no. just retired uh, this last year. Mm, nice. Mom and dad both retired at the same time. Oh, nice. and uh, <laughs> they, they, Living they, the dream. Well, they had plans to live the dream. They were going to travel all over this summer, and somebody had to go throw a wrench in that. Yeah, yeah great job, <laughs> so, Otto. So, uh, but no, they, they moved out here for his job, and I, I grew up in, in Deerfield, just, just north of Utica, and then... Uh, so spent all that time and went mm. through the Whitesboro district. And uh, I always ask people, you know, I have a lot of friends who went to Whitesboro, and um, you know, I always ask. I went to Proctor, and I know yep. that there was lots of uh, stereotypes that went around with like Proctor kids. Did you ever like? Were you aware of like the the things about Whitesboro growing up? Were you like? Did you like your time there? Did you feel like it was? Did you feel like people had a bad reputation for Whitesboro, or did you like your time there? I, I loved my time there. Yeah. I, I loved high school. I was one of the few people that did. I, I yeah, would yeah. go back and do it I mean, all I again. I liked high school, too, I think. But I played sports. So, I mean, I was, just gonna that's, I, I was a three-season athlete. So what were you playing? Do you in, like, cross country or anything? Or? Um, I ran track. I played track. hockey. Um, <laughs> I, I picked up lacrosse for a while. We uh, tried that. And, and it was... I loved it. Um, I had some issues, but I, I, I loved the sport. Yeah, I, I was one of those kids growing up, I played played baseball, and I was a kid, like, actively, AYSO soccer, but I didn't play, I did that thing where you stand in the goal, and you pretend that you're a pterodactyl, or a yep. wizard, yep. for three hours, and, like, kick flowers, and then sometimes the ball comes near you, and you fall oops. over. Yeah, yeah, oops, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember, like, as a guy who loved sports, like, I love baseball, I love soccer, I love professional wrestling, if that counts. Uh, like, there's all, I, I'm really into, like, professional basketball, I love it all, and I chased a lot of that as a kid. And I was never good at any of it. I could never find a sport. And lacrosse, when I was in high school, was like this new thing that no one was really playing. We had just gotten like a team. And that was like sort of when I got into it. I was like, oh, this is something I can sort of get into from the ground up. Right. That right. was really exciting. They, uh, I think they just recently picked it back up again at Proctor. Yeah, they're playing it. It's, so I'm surprised by how many kids actually play it. I didn't yeah. think that it would last after like basically like the group of kids two years younger than us. And the one group of kids older than us who all sort of yeah. liked it, I was like, once this group of kids like moves through, like no one's gonna get yeah. it. It's it's actually a friend of mine that's coaching. Uh, oh, was that uh... Uh, Jim Caswell? Yep. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I know Caswell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's he's. I mean, they're having their struggles, but he's got a. I mean, he's got kids showing up. Yeah, it's he a had good, uh, a whole bunch of donors this year that, that gave a, a good amount of money so he could get sticks for all these kids that wanted to try it. I so I could guess. If I were just, without even asking you, I would guess that of all the sports that you played, that hockey was your your yes. most successful. Seems okay. like that'd be the thing. Yeah, you got yeah. a good build for you, tall. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, but I started playing hockey at three years old. Right, so my right, dad right. built a rink out in the backyard. <laughs> oh, I, wow, yeah, really? Yeah, wow, we just sold it probably six years ago or so. That's a that's yeah. a definitely like coming from Minnesota type thing. We're to build. Yeah, yeah. So and when I was little, it was awesome because we used to get solid winters. Oh yeah. So it froze in mm-hmm. November and it was frozen till February, and so, now it's you don't get that, which is why we sold it. But. So knowing you're a sports guy, did you spend a lot of time like outdoors and stuff, doing like outdoor stuff? When Always. You were, a kid? were you Always. biking back then? No. Uh, I was gonna. Uh, add, that I, was my next question: Is when did biking sort of? make its way into your life biking's kind of funny uh my my mom got into the ride for missing children 10 years ago and Hmm. she ended up she's been involved all 10 years since but she's been a rider and volunteer on and off between between now and then uh my sister got involved Mm -hmm. seven years ago well my sister did the ride and i go wait a minute why is my sister doing a 100 mile bike ride so Mm -hmm. for me getting into it was kind of a competitive thing with my sister she can bike 100 miles why can't i do this (laughs) so i i went out i bought a bike and and got right involved with it uh from there so i just picked up bike oh nice so i've Uh, always kind of run 
Yeah, um, I, I ran cross country growing up, and it was um, because that's a sport that's not really about winning and losing. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and and now I do it just for the the fitness of it. But yeah, when I was I think I was a senior in high school, I ran the the Boilermaker in sixty three minutes. And it's just yeah. like when you're oh. young. When you're young, so the first time I ran the Boilermaker, I did it with like minimal training. Mm-hmm. And this was this was only like uh, like eight years ago. I think I came, and my basic reasoning because I am an egomaniac is just like I didn't like going to see the Boilermaker because I'd look at all the people running like look at these people running this race. I'm like, Arr! and I came to a conclusion that I'm like, if I'm not gonna run in it, I don't want to be. I don't know why I thought that. I just in my head, I was just like, if I'm not gonna run it. I don't want to be there. Yeah, I, I um, didn't run last year, yeah. and I, I couldn't bring myself to go down. I, it just I, I was embarrassed. Well, now if I go down, I can at least go under the guise of, like, we're going to go with Maiden Utica crew, we're going to take pictures, yeah, and yeah. do, like, whatever. I have a reason you to can be add there. To it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like... Just to go watch. Just to go watch. I was like, no, I'm embarrassed that I didn't, like, get out there and do this myself, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so let's go back to... to Whitesboro for just one second. Okay. Uh, so you're playing hockey in Whitesboro. Yep. Uh, you went to Brockport after that, and you went there for uh, accounting? I, <laughs> I I graduated with a degree in accounting. Yeah. I went there um, in pursuit of a degree in math mm. with a specialization in education. You want to teach? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way they set it up, you had to mm. go through the entire math program. Really? So I'm there as a third-year student taking calc three yeah. and they want to want me to calculate the volume of an imaginary object mm-hmm. i'm sitting oh, in this class mm-hmm. just saying i don't i, I, I <laughs> a it's hard b i don't understand it and and i don't see where i because i wanted to teach middle school math yeah so yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're, oh, you're saying middle school is tough bro <laughs> oh yeah but it, but at the time, I loved the idea of getting into education. My parents are both teachers. Yeah. It's, I love the idea of getting into education. I love working with kids. I, that's I have that everything was there to work with. Yeah, and and I, it was between Cortland and Brockport. Mm-hmm. I could have done Cortland with an education degree yeah. in the the um, going for math for your mm-hmm. specialty, and Brockport was the other way. And and. It all worked out in the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, I was gonna say I'm not. I'm not getting the impression that you regret it. You're wearing like the Brockport hat, I think, right now. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, I can see. Man, I, I'm so I forget which side of the brain it is, but I'm the one that's English and history. Like whatever it was, I was invested in science. I liked physics. And I liked chemistry and that stuff. And I took like AP courses, but yeah. it was, it was a, a struggle. Mm-hmm. I just did it because I was like, well, it's interesting. I understand that physics exists. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like... Yeah. No, I. I... <laughs> And I made the switch because it was something that that I had enough credits that transferred over because of that. You know, you're so, you're in a, in math that goes to accounting pretty right. pretty smooth. So, what's your actual degree coming out of Rockport? Accounting. Yes. At that point in time, what are you thinking the future like holds for you? Like, what do you want to do at that point? In time? I didn't have a clue. Not a clue. I so I, I was coming home. I <laughs> I knew I wanted to come back home. Mm-hmm. Brockport's two and a half hours away. It's not it's a, yeah. not the end of the world, but it's it's long enough. You can do a long weekend yeah. if you want. Um, so I came back home. I had, I didn't have a clue. I, yeah. I started applying for jobs. I got one interview at a place where they were replacing somebody mm-hmm. and the interview was kind of sketchy cause they kind of snuck me in the side door yeah. cause they didn't want to see the other employee. And what, uh, before I forget, what year did you graduate? Uh, high school was college. 2006, uh, college 2011. So 2011. And when did you start with America? You just for my, my 2011. Son. Oh, so you're you're right in yep. there, right? Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty my uh, Facebook memories yesterday or today was actually wow. my first day at first day at Americu in 2011. Well, so. let's I guess let's start 
there, I guess, because I want to get into the second section. But uh, so you're over at Mary Q right now, and I know that Justin and I have talked about like you know Mary Q's been actually a pretty active sponsor of us uh, yeah. as Made Utica for a long time, and we know and I think that probably has something to do with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it so. does. Um, actually, the first time around that I yeah. tried to get him involved, we didn't really get much response. That's um, about right. We had a, we had a. <laughs> Well, on on Americus. Yeah. So. Oh right, right. I was gonna say because Justin's hard to get a hold of. You were trying to call him; he's tough. Um, so so we uh, so we had a new marketing person come in, and I reached out again. I said, "Hey, these guys are doing great things. You know, I, I think it would be a good idea to get Americus' name out there because we've got a big presence in Syracuse. Yeah, uh, we've got a presence up in the North Country, but Utica, we've got that little financial center and uh, great point actually on Genesee, and then yeah. we've got one financial center down in Herkimer. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because I think when I initially like during those downtown get downs, I'm like Americu, huh? I'm like that's odd. I didn't know that Americu was interested. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't know that was a thing. But that, that's one of those things, you know, living out here but working for a yeah. company that it, we're technically based in Rome because mm-hmm. that's where it started. Yeah, but just so much of our presence is out there, and so it's like expand out here, expand out here, yeah. getting get people's faces uh, for things because you're always seeing the the other um, banking centers around right. for other places there's so many of them mm-hmm. they just you get in front of a hundred people young people mm-hmm. that are that are doing the same thing that I'm looking to do yeah. it just kind of makes sense to me and apparently did to them too so. so my sister's actually doing like the banking thing she's over like an MBT she's like telling mm-hmm. her or something like that and um, I think it's it is something that when you look around there's definitely a point in time when I was like looking for like jobs and I was like what seems like something that is stable and always there yeah. and like you know have you enjoyed working in that atmosphere i guess is the question i mean like i do um I, the mortgage stuff right? yes I, I was very fascinated about this by the way yeah so, i yeah. i underwrite mortgages so i mean you sit down with a with a mortgage executive and take the app and they'll mm-hmm. tell you what you need and i'm i'm kind of in charge of the the other side of it with okay here's the the full requirements do we have these right items to sure. to make sure that that this qualifies for us to mm-hmm. to make this work there's a million pages of documentation. Yeah, is, is, <laughs> it seems overwhelming. Oh, it it can be. It yeah. can be a lot. Um, but but I like it. I, yeah. It's every day is something new. Mm-hmm. So you're yes, you're doing a mortgage every day, but everybody that comes in has a different situation. So you're constantly dealing with different problems. Do and you solutions. get to like see these people through to the end? Like, can you like can you actually help somebody? Do you actually get to like shake their hand and be like they get to thank you, or is it not that kind of situation? Uh, not not. That situation, yeah. uh, the the upfront people that actually take the applications, sure. they yeah, kind of yeah. get that. But even that, it closes with an attorney. Sure. So yeah, you yeah. don't necessarily see them yeah. at the end. But that was always my big, that was always my big problem when I was working at MetLife. I felt like I would be like a, a cog in the wheel, but I was like, I was always wonder after I got off the phone with somebody, I'm like, I wonder. Hope that person will they remember who I am? Or well, what not I even that. Me. It's like I hope that whatever they got, they were looking for, they they got and they they got yeah. what they needed because I don't know if I'll ever find out. Otherwise. Right? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, we we kind of know that yeah. because we handle so much of the process yeah. in the the back yeah. office per se. Yeah. Uh, it, we handle so much of it back there yeah. that uh, that we do kind of get that feeling of knowing yeah. if or if yeah. not it we we made it work for them. Uh, so let's go back to Ride for Missing Children, because this is the uh, couple things here I want to talk to you about. Uh, so Friday, June 11th, that's this Friday coming up? Uh, June I'm 9th. 9th, there it is. Yeah. See, I'm bad with dates. Yeah. June 9th, uh, this is the actual Utica Ride for Missing Yes, yeah. uh, the Central New York Mohawk, Mohawk Valley, I think they call it, yeah. uh, Ride for Missing Children. All right. Um, 
it supports the the center that's down on York Street. Okay. Um, this is our biggest fundraising event of the year. And all the stuff you've been sort of doing builds up to this, or is this all sort of similar to what you did in Buffalo and different places just across the state? They're they're all similar yeah. across the state. Each okay. one funds its own office. Yeah. So um, so when you go out to Buffalo, the nice thing is that once you have a home ride, mm-hmm. you can go do the reciprocal rides, and it costs you fifty bucks to register instead right, of having right. to do the whole the whole that's fundraising. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, they're all they're all independent. Uh, this is the first year that it's actually been available to do all five rides across New oh, York nice. State. That's cool. Um, and then they they actually just did one. They brought back the one in Texas. Oh wow! So long term bucket list. That's, <laughs> that's out there. Um, I had looked at it a couple of years ago, but it, it fell apart that year. So now I think I know this because I've talked to uh, GFOP Kate Riley about it many times. But what's the actual distance on each of these races? Uh, Rochester was a hundred miles. It was like ninety nine point eight, but that one I I brought myself to ride around the parking lot twice to get to the hundred. <laughs> Uh, I love it. <laughs> yesterday was or Friday was ninety eight and a half, I think. Oh, uh, man. That number is so intimidating. I guess is like before the first time you did it was that number. How did you start to approach that number? And the I, the best advice that I got was that you're not doing a hundred mile ride. You're doing five twenty mile rides. Five twenty mile rides. Interesting. So okay. so however they're divided up, they're a little bit a little okay. bit different. But but it. You get 20, 25 minutes in between each. Okay. Which, between getting nutrition, getting your drinks filled, and then you just feed off the kids. Yeah. Because in between during these 20-mile rides, you're out riding around by other schools in that time, too. Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. constantly feeding off of somebody or something yeah. or an event or a, a silent tribute or whatever. It, the day is long. You're, you're out sure. there for, for an eight, mm-hmm. eight nine, ten-hour day. But it doesn't... You know, nothing nothing hurts nothing really matters yeah. it, because to me personally mm-hmm. I'm out there doing a benefit right and and these other people that we're supporting are the <laughs> ones that my pain's nothing like theirs well and not to and not to you know compare everything back to the boilermaker but like I think when I was start, when I initially started training for the first boilermaker they're like it's 9.3 whatever it is yep. right? I mean my buddy I was like stressed out with my friend when I was training I was like I don't even know how I'm gonna get to nine he's like you don't have to get to nine what you have to do is consistently get to like five, right? Yep. And if you can get to a certain number, then once in a while you can sort of push yourself past that outlier in like a single scenario, not all the time, right? Yeah. But if you can get comfortable doing a certain amount of miles, that and extending it once in a while isn't, isn't out the of the realm of possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've actually done more training. I think I've got 23 miles running in as we talk about the more than make. Yeah, yeah. And my usual training amounts are usually right around 10. Yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a total yeah. mile. So this year, it's, <laughs> total it's, I'm going to show up on uh, on the day of the Boilermaker. It's actually my birthday this year. So oh, I'm nice. kind of excited for the for the party afterwards. <laughs> but uh, but we, uh, it's going to be weird to show up and actually be able to walk afterwards. Oh and yeah, not just hobble around. <laughs> uh, now, uh, well, I'll give you one. The mistake I made the last year I did it is I wanted to bring stuff with me, so I wouldn't have to like. Find someone to borrow their phone to call somebody. Yep. Meet me somewhere. Get me. It was a whole pain. So I wore the fanny pack, which was fine. It didn't bother me necessarily until I got to the end of the race and I realized it had like rubbed, rubbed a all, oh, yeah. thing into my back, yep. and I was just like, "Oh God, this is going to annoy me for three weeks." That's, so little things like that. The secret I learned 
two years ago when I ran it. The bag service, actually very efficient. They have bag service? Yeah. They give well, you that clear bag at the beginning. Huh. You can put your stuff in there. You, you zip it up. You drop it off at the uh, the truck at the start line. Interesting. And then they bring it down to the finish. All oh, you got to wow. do is pull the tab off your bib and hand it to them, and huh. they give you your stuff back. That's pretty clever. I actually never knew that it's, existed. It's, I've never used it because I was like, ah, oh, do I really trust? Yeah. You know, whatever. Did it. Loved it. I blame Jordan Peters for not telling me about this. Uh, there there you go. <laughs> um, so uh, I just wanted to mention it because I saw it on your Facebook page uh, before we close up here. Are you still fundraising for Friday's event? Yes. Okay, yes. so where do I, people still, go if they want to? Uh, go into either of my social media accounts, the Facebook or the Twitter. Right. It, I don't know I'll link what the, the link is to the That's to fine. the site itself. Well, it's, I'll put the links out for people. You know, perfect. you've been a big supporter of everything Made Music has done, and you've been really active with uh, Ride for Missing Children. So if you if you are sympathetic to this cause or anything that uh, Otto's been doing for everybody, I would suggest very heavily you please go and donate to him because he's uh, he always does so much for everybody else, and I think it's important that we give back to the stuff that you've been appreciate doing. That. Appreciate that. No problem, that. man. No problem. Uh, okay, so let's get into some moderately serious conversation here. Uh, a couple hours ago on your Twitter page, I... I was on your Twitter. You posted, and again, I, I don't want to sound naive here, so I'll let you do the details. Uh, you are 100% in remission, um, and that is amazing, and we're very, very happy, and that's uh, wonderful. It's, it's thrilling. It, it's, how, did, uh, how did that pro- – like, how did, how did you find out? Did someone call you? Did you get a call from the doctors, or did you uh, – I was out in Syracuse on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I had uh, – it was my oncology follow-up for, okay. uh, for just a regular scheduled – Routine. I had had a scan done uh, the week before, mm-hmm. so it was the results of that. Just oh, waiting man. for that back. Did so. you have a feeling that it was coming? Did you feel like I don't want to say normal because that's not what I mean, but yeah. like you feel back to normal from where you were? Yeah, hundred percent. I I've said it a couple times the last couple of weeks. I'm probably in the best shape that I've been in yeah. since high school. Yeah, just I've been out active. Mm-hmm. It, you just get a different perspective on things. It's like okay, so running isn't that bad. Okay, mm-hmm. what uh, what kind of cancer did you have? Uh, non-Hodgkin, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which is, uh, my shout out to my, my, my good, good friend, Adam Nolan, who also had that young and then went through it very, very quickly, like the uh, process excellent. of it. And, yeah. Uh, so I guess, Mike, I have a couple sequences of this question for you. Uh, the first one is, how did you initially find out that something was wrong? <laughs> um, I, I'm, uh, I'm stubborn and an mm-hmm. athlete, and uh, I like to blame everything on everything else. Sure. sure. So, <laughs> um, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> last, last May, when we started up our commitment rides, or got into our commitment rides, I was having a little bit of knee pain, um, didn't think much of it. It slowly spread, the pain spread into my back. So yeah. I started going to a chiropractor. Went to a chiropractor for like a month, and it did absolutely nothing for mm. me. Uh, finally gave in and said, all right, it's got to be linked to my, my knee surgery that I had 10 years ago. Right, like, yeah. Uh, so so that was into June, maybe even July. Um, so I went back to him. They did a uh, an x-ray of the whole whole thing and to check it out. Uh, went through that and he sent me off to PT, did like three weeks of PT and got a call and said, um, Hey, we just had the radiologist just took a deeper dive into your, your x-rays. Cause I had gone back for a follow-up and nothing had really changed yet. So they had somebody look at the x-rays again. They go, Hey, your, your x-rays aren't right. Your bones supposed to be like a solid color. It's really cloudy. Like we, mm. we want to have you in to look at a bunch of other stuff. We're going to send you out to Syracuse. Oh, man. So I finally got sent out to Syracuse in August, and uh, immediately 
they they knew that it was yeah. it was cancer, but there were three types. I don't remember what the other yeah. two were, but non-Hodgkin's was the the best of the three best that scenario, I could get. Yeah. Um, so I got out there. Oh, two days later, I had three scans scheduled, and I was starting treatment like a week after that. So, um, at I, I guess I'll go from here. You obviously were scared first time oh, I hear this. Like, what what goes through your mind? You're like, did is there a moment where you're like, did I do something? Like, is there a moment where you're like, how could I could I have stopped? The, you know what I mean? Like, how do you where's your mind going? There, there there's two ways just off yeah. of what you said there. It's the my first instinct was to fight it. It sure. was yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, whatever this is, mm-hmm. bring it on. I'm gonna fight it, and I'm not. I'm not going to sit and sulk about it. I'm just going to keep moving forward. It's important. The other one was, hey, you're an idiot. You've been in pain for two months, three months. Yes. Why didn't you just go get something looked at? (laughs) Yeah. And I I lost, uh, I think I lost almost 40 pounds last summer. Between May to August, I went from 190, 200 down to 160. Uh, I like to do, explain it like I'm five sometimes because I I can never, there's certain things I'll just never understand. Is Is there a pain to it? Like, did you feel pain or were you just drained all the time i'm so curious like during the treatment or or, yeah during the whole like treatment and finding out and the process of getting back to where you are my my pain was literally it felt like joint pain joint pain so so it was my knee it was some sort of physical yeah yeah. but it was all triggered because my i had the tumor in my leg that started right down Mm -hmm. at my knee and it started as a little band and by the time i got done or by the time i finally got treated it was almost all the way up my thigh Mm -hmm. i mean I don't know if you saw the pictures on Twitter, but it was it was almost double the size of my other thigh. It was. Did you weird? What kind of? Uh, I'm sure you you know you have uh, I've met your wife many times. She works over at Procter and she's a great lady. Yeah. Uh, and what sort of support system at the time did you have? Did you have like how close are you working with doctors? Like how much is your family around you at this point? In time? Uh, the, we actually blew the doctors away with my doctor's appointments because yeah. my wife. Uh, her sister, who I who I actually knew and was friends with yeah. before, uh, I met Anna. Uh, my my parents were both there. My sister came home from Massachusetts for the first appointment, so we walked into the the doctor's office with six people, yeah. <laughs> and, and they were like, "Wait, what's this?" Because not everybody gets that. Yeah. Um. So so it was. We talked with doctors once a week. I yeah. I have had incredible support from mm-hmm. friends, family, um, the ride. And that family was incredible because you don't realize how many people have gone through it. Yeah. yeah. Because not everybody's out there sharing their story, story about it. Right. So all of a sudden you're talking to people that you had no idea went through mm-hmm. cancer and yeah. they're reaching out saying, Hey, I've been through this. If you have anything, let me know. Uh, one of my good friends at Brockport or two of my good friends at Brockport, both have gone through cancer. So mm-hmm. they were great resources. Yeah. Um, it well, just, I always go back to, um, you know, my friend, Jay, who we talked about in this podcast many times, he passed away when he was 25. He, was in, he had it for five years, and he would get it, and he went back in remission, and he'd come back out, and back, and back, and back, and back, and back, and back, and forth, and he would flip-flop, and he was young. And when we were kids, we were naive, and you're like, oh, he's he's young, right? So he'll just, he's healthy bounce enough, back, or yeah. he'll bounce right back, he'll bounce right back, and then just the last time, it, it, it kind of got yeah. away, right? But I think that there is this sort of, uh, this, this semblance that, like, young... It, for younger folks, it's something you can fight through, but like you have to, you have to actively like do it. You gotta, gotta want to 
like be out there like I'm gonna fight this. Yeah, I'm the, gonna like make the most of this. I'm not gonna let it bear me down or have the world drop out from underneath me. The the nurses would say that that my age was a huge part of it. You yeah. know, I'm I'm turning 31 this summer. Yeah. Not, it's not too not that old. Um, <laughs> you are amazing. So so they said that had a lot to do with it. There's there's always something mm-hmm. to say about the support that you have with you because it helps you keep your mindset mm-hmm. focused and positive. Yeah. Um, there, there's something to be said for for all those pieces. Did you? Did they give you a diagnosis initially? Like this is something that is easily not easily, but like is this something that people come back from? You shouldn't feel like this is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the doctor was good about that. Yeah, yeah. He, I was gonna say he did, uh, that's probably an awkward conversation to have to go through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they've done it so many times. You, you'd yeah. like to think that it's not awkward, but I'm sure, I'm sure it's, it's still a yeah. it's still a strange conversation mm-hmm. to have with people. But yeah, uh, he I didn't get anything. They're they never want to put anything in stone. They never want to say exactly. yes, no, yeah. anything um, hard hard line like that. But he was he was very optimistic when it was uh, when it was done Hodgkin's lymphoma, and then I got transferred to a another uh, oncologist yeah. uh, and got the same kind of kind of feedback. So. so I have two last questions about this, and then we'll move on to lightning round. I appreciate your uh, your candid answers and all this because again, you you said it earlier. I don't think a lot of people always share their stories about this and yet I, I always find that it's important whether it's from just giving someone someone to look at to see like see this is this is what can happen when you like go with things and you try your hardest and you and you're not afraid to like fight back and you like take control of things and it, you can get through things and I right. think it's I think that story isn't always shares often as you'd it, like to hear. And just making sure that you're out there and approachable, I think, makes a difference. Yeah. Because if somebody gets the same diagnosis that I had and yeah. knows that I've been through it, I, I want to be that kind of person you can bounce yeah. bounce a question off of. Hey, I went through this. You know, I'm kind of mm-hmm. feeling this. Is that something you did? What mm-hmm. did you do for it? Yeah. Uh, things like that. So uh, being approachable is uh, my goal with, with right. sharing that. Uh, so I guess my my last two questions are, one, was there any particular moment in the recovery process where you felt like you turned the corner and you're like, oh, I got this? Was there like any particular moment where you felt like you were like getting strong again and getting right back to that zone? Um, to be honest, I never let myself feel behind. Good. Um, I started treatment from day one. My biggest symptoms were fatigue. Fatigue. Yeah. You just um, want to keep going. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got tight. I was, yeah. you know, you're worn out. You, you come home from treatment, you sleep, yeah. you wake up the next day, you sleep. Yeah. I had a little bit of nausea, but I, you know, I, I never threw up once. Yeah. And I consider myself to be extremely lucky mm-hmm. with how well my treatment goes or went. And with that, I felt kind of guilty at times. Yeah. Because you yeah. hear some of the stories, and in some of my friends that I've reached out to said, "Hey, listen, you're going to feel that way, but at the same time, for every yeah. person that has that terrible mm-hmm. story, there's somebody that has it where they just got to to go through it. Yeah. So that that's a it was a yeah, good thing to keep in mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it it's and I guess there was no turning. Turning point. Turning point. It was one of those things where I just I I guess I never looked at it any other way than it's good. It's probably we're important. going to get to the end and yeah. we're gonna be on to the next thing. And I can't and again I'm not a doctor, but I can't I can't imagine that having that mentality doesn't help in some way. Like having that driving yeah. force. Yeah. I, um, and I guess last but not least is now that you've uh, you're in remission, 
Yep. Uh, what sort of is the next couple steps? You have to go back and check in like a year or six months or whatever. Uh, like every four months. Every four months. Um, okay. I'll go get blood work done every four months, mm-hmm. and that's that's the plan for now. Yeah, it's my dad had actually had non Hodgkins as well, and he's on mm-hmm. every six months still. So that's yeah, that's I, part of the okay. I, I, all I got to do is go to the doctor's <laughs> office, have some blood drawn. Okay, yeah. I, I can I can deal with that. Well, listen, Otto, it's it's. Truly, truly, it's an inspiring story, and we're we're so happy that you're you're better, and that you continue to be like an active part of not just Maiden Utica, but this community and Ride for Missing Children. And again, that's Friday, uh, June fifth is the the CNY Ride for Missing Children race. June ninth. June ninth. I knew that. Damn, <laughs> damn it. June ninth. Friday, June ninth is this Friday. Yes. Uh, I will link everything again for yeah. your Facebook and Twitter. So please uh, donate. Uh, help him. Uh, help Otto get to his fundraising goal. I think you know. Again. It's very inspiring what you've done for everybody in your story, and I think that it's important that people give back and help you out. Uh, let's do some lightning round questions. Uh, lighten it up here before we close uh-huh. out for the day. Uh, also, you can follow Otto. Uh, he's a good active Twitter follower at uh, O-I-S-E-N 25. Oisen? I don't know. It actually it was, the, <laughs> it was my college username. That's, that's good. <laughs> but, well, the letters were. But it, it, my name's too long to do anything yeah. the other way. And I don't yeah. really want my first name in it. So to, to kind of tie it, that's I got on Twitter easy. so long ago. Like, I, I was in Brooklyn. And it was it had ju- My buddy just started getting on. I was like, I'm on this. And I got the SF Dude name. And now if I go on there and I search up, like, SF Dude, there's, like, a hundred different Different combinations. Yeah. That aren't, like, the original one. So I'm like, no, I can never get rid of this. No. I don't even have that many followers. But it'd be silly for me to change it now because it'll be gone forever. Yeah. Uh, but follow Otto. He's a good. Uh, he's a good follow on Twitter, especially if you want any uh, sort of hockey stuff. Like sports in general. Sports in yeah. general. <laughs> All right, so let's get into these week's uh, lightning round questions. Uh, Otto Eisenberg, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Depends on where I'm getting it from. Yeah. Uh, if it's uh, Utica Roasting, or I've actually found Stewart's to have really good coffee. No, Stewart's is no joke. Um, I'll <laughs> I'll drink those black. Um, if I'm going anywhere else generic, I'll get a I'll put some cream in it. But. Yeah. I got shamed the one time I uh, in Brooklyn for doing that for asking for cream and sugar. I've told this story before, but I was in a I was in a place getting a cold brew coffee, and that was like there. And I was like, "Where's the cream and sugar?" And the guy's like, "Hey, man, it's so sweet. You don't need cream and sugar." And immediately I'm like, "Don't tell me what to do." Yeah. And then I took a sip of it. I was like, "Ah, he's right. He's, yeah, 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 he's right. You hate him, and I hate to admit it, but yeah, he's right." Uh, what was your first automobile? 1995 Pontiac Grand Prix. Ooh, Grand Prix. See, okay. it wasn't one of the fancy ones, though. No, it, but that it, name was yeah. Great. Oh, the name the name was great, but it, it didn't have the the stylish look that no. you hear Grand Prix and you're like, oh, it, it was the flat. There's something about uh, I, I guess it's growing up in that era because you're only like two years so younger than me. Pontiacs were like an interesting car. For me. I mean, mom had like a '93. Pontiac Grand Am, and it was sort of cool looking, but also kind of like, now you look back, it's like it's a dumb looking car. Yes. The thing I remember the most, and used to drive me nuts, is my mom's car, the, the 92, if you open the door, the the seatbelt was attached, uh, attached uh, is attached to the door. I, I mean, didn't have that. No, no I hated right. it. I didn't understand it. I was like, this is such a pain. Yes. And you still yeah. have to put the strap when it comes. Over, yeah. It's not like it saves you, weren't you saving any, any time. time at all. No. Uh, no <laughs> you may or may not have taken... Your 1995 Pontiac Grand Prix. What color was it? Black. Black. Your black 1995 Pontiac Grand Prix to see it. What was your first live music event? The uh, actually, I definitely didn't drive to it. Uh, my dad took me to see Kiss. Out Kiss in oh, Albany. And we, I have to say, we've ragged on Kiss pretty I, hard on this show. I am aware of this. I, every time I sit there. And... <laughs> uh, so let me. 
I'm not... Here's the thing. I don't necessarily, like... I don't have an issue with, like, Kiss. Uh, it's just, like... I feel like the problem with Kiss is always... They get sort of... The, the gear and the costumes and the show sort of overtake the rest of the thing. Like, I feel like people only think of, like... Sparklers and the face paint, and I don't. I, I, I was ra- my dad raised me well as far as music goes. Oh, yeah. it, it was just I, anything and everything. <laughs> if I didn't like it, that was too bad. He just <laughs> left it on. You're still gonna listen to it. My stepdad was like that too. He's yeah. like, yeah, I don't care what you think. But you know, the the classic rock and roll was something he he raised me on quite a bit. And it was, we listened to like uh, these days. You didn't, you didn't uh, everything, everything, everything. Yeah. I, I, Old yeah. Town Road. You just listen to your car all the time. Yeah. It's that. That rap country song. Have you heard that one yet? No, no. Oh, yeah, it's the yeah. hottest song in America. You Uh-oh. gotta listen to it. It'll, it's fine, but it will get stuck in your head. Okay. For like six, six months. No, but I, uh, you know, used to go to all the K Rockathons and nice. whatnot. Uh, you know, but now it's a couple of years ago. We did the country mega ticket out in nice. Daring Lake. So take your pick of, of which way you want to go <laughs> yeah. with the, the concert. Well, I think you're probably now you're getting in your thirties too. I mean, early thirties. You're probably in that same zone that I am. When I was younger, it was much more in the zone to be like, oh, this song sucks. Now I hear a song, like, almost any song, I'm like, yeah. I'll listen to it. Yeah, it's all right. At least, okay. at least take it in, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting too old to, like, hate stuff. Uh, so, uh, if you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who is not your family or Gene, uh, Gene Simmons, who, who, who would it be and why? Uh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. I, I read the book on him mm-hmm. uh, last summer. And just sitting there reading that book to, to ha- sit down and have a conversation with yeah. him, a guy that smart and with oh, that yeah. much that much going on, just be so interesting, you know. Oh, especially like you know, he's like a very he's like a really modern version of that question. Like, there's a lot of guys like in the world right now, I think, who like raise that. Like, I want to sit down. I want to know more. He's like high on the yeah, list. You, you sign one of those non-disclosures guy. and just tell me, <laughs> tell me what's going on and how. Wh- what are you doing, and how do you how do you justify this? And uh, so I yeah. I read that that book last summer, and it, mm. that immediately was like, if I'm ever on the Uticast, that's the answer to that question. <laughs> did you uh, did you watch him on Joe Rogan? Uh yeah, yeah. I listened. Wild. It was, what it a was wild! Neat. <laughs> it was really neat. It was really interesting. Uh, give me one book, album, movie, or show you are currently reading, listening uh, to, or watching. I just purchased about nine different hockey books for ah. uh, for reading this summer when we go up to camp up in Canada. Well, uh, I just sit around on the dock and just read. So uh, I just purchased about nine more books for who's that. Your, who's your, I didn't ask you. Who, who's your team? Your NHL team? Your uh, Minnesota Wild. Minnesota Wild. I was, Great logo. Yeah. Minnesota Wild. I was, uh, we were out in Minnesota the, the year before they came back into the NHL. Mm-hmm. And we walked through the city and just the vibe around the city. Because I used to follow players. Right. More than I followed a team. That's modern, actually. Most sports now, I think you're starting to see, especially with my my kids in high school, they care much more about individual athletes than they do about teams yeah. in general. Yeah. So, so I was a, a Pavel Bure fan. Who used yeah, to play for the Bure, Canucks, yeah. and yeah. you know, I I watch, I really enjoyed him in Vancouver. Once he left Vancouver, didn't really care about Vancouver. It was yeah. really cool when they came back to Utica. Sure. That was that was a, a cool connection. But I I didn't I didn't really follow a team. Up until then, but yeah. we were in Minnesota, and it was just so cool because you're a year out from sure. even starting, mm-hmm. and it was just the whole city was all about it already. So uh, we've had a lot of hockey fans on this show, and I think that there is this cultivated impression to me that I sort of leaned into a little bit that I don't like hockey, um, and that's not necessarily the case. Like I, I did for years, ho- like before I soccer kind of ruined everything for my. Growing up, it was very clearly I was like. 
My dad was a Knicks fan. I love the Yankees. Uh, I like the Bills. And uh, I like the Sabres because it felt like that was the, mm-hmm. the fourth team. Like, I'm supposed to have another team. I don't really care about the Islanders, and I'm tired of Rangers fans. So give me the Sabres, right? Absolutely. And I think in like the mid-2000s, or 2006, was when I sort of fell into soccer. Like, I started watching... This was weird. I was living on Thomas Street in, like, a really crummy, nasty apartment. And I had made, like, no money. I was going to college, and I would watch... Liverpool and Chelsea games late at night on FSN when that was still a thing. Okay. And somewhere along the way over the next like 10 years that became like this thing that I got really interested in and because of it I say all the time that it replaced baseball and it, it kind of did. Like I watch baseball I watch the Yankees now but I don't care about like I used to watch any baseball. Right. Game. Like Anything. oh Cardinals, Cubs at 10 o'clock at night on Easter. Whatever. Throw it on. Throw it on. Throw it on. Like now it's like I cannot watch this. I can't but, tell you the last baseball game I watched on TV. No. Baseball has become regional almost in the way that like college sports are right like you yeah. just sort of i don't really care about the pac 10 or about the other i sort of watch syracuse and the teams that are they play against but yeah. up until the tournament i'm not really paying attention i think baseball is the same way like, i pay attention to the yankees and the al east sort of when the red Sox are playing and like the teams they play a lot but i don't really care about the national league or anything until the end so what's the it does feel very isolated yeah, yeah. Uh, i do think though that hockey I get to get back to hockey for a second. I do think they've sort of they're in a good spot, weirdly. Not that they're like a niche sport now; they're really successful. But I think that with the core audience of people that they draw, that group of audience is so passionate and oh, so yeah. like disproportionately excited for it. It reminds me a little bit of, and I don't mean this is a knock. Reminds me a little bit of wrestling in that way. Okay, that the people who love it are just like yes. Yes, I love every moment of it. The, the problem is there's too many people out there that love it and just want to bash everybody else. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting here, want to be interested in hockey? I'll introduce you to hockey. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, you don't watch hockey? What do I care? That's And there's right, too right. many of those people that'll just dismiss you as soon as you say that you're not interested. Well, in. weirdly, I think the thing at the end of the day for hockey for me was just that I had too many things to follow. Oh, yeah. It's like I was following Liverpool. I was following the Knicks. I'm following... Yeah. You're like, watching TV for watching four or five hours a day. Yeah, trying, like I just trying to keep up. I can't watch it all. Like, I, I watch too much sports. Now, I feel like this This is like a... I don't know if it's like a hangover from like the 90s. When there is live sports on, I feel like I have to watch it. Right? Even tonight, like the NBA Finals are on tonight. It's game two. Even if the, even if the Warriors lose... It doesn't matter, right? But somehow I feel invested to like put this game on and be involved in this thing that's happening like at the moment live. I would I need to be a part of it in case something wild happens. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I hear you. I've I've never watched a full basketball game in my life or a professional most basketball. Most people will tell you you can just watch the last twenty minutes of it to get the whole game. Uh, I I don't know. I think it's nostalgic. Again, it's a '90s thing. Like it makes me nostalgic for like growing up with my dad when he was when my parents got yeah. divorced, watching like. Uh, Miami Heat Knicks games back in the day, right? Just that sort of thing sort of hangs. Yeah, around. oh yeah, it gives you got to, everybody's got the reasons for what they oh, watch. Yeah. Uh, and last but not least, Otto, I've held you longer than I, I planned to. I apologize. It's a beautiful Sunday, you should be relaxing. Uh, give me one last thing besides uh, right for missing children, uh, besides uh, education, besides being part of the community. Give me one more thing that you, Otto Eisenberg, are passionate about. Coaching, coaching. I uh, I took up uh, coaching hockey. Uh, two years ago, I was sitting in the locker room. A couple guys were talking about needing uh, yeah. a coach for their their kids' team. I said, "Well, I've always thought about it." Yeah. Uh, so I, I got signed up. I was assistant coach for two years. I went back to Whitestown, the organization that I yeah. played in for for years, and um, I took it up. And I have two years of assistant coaching under my belt, and this year will be my first year as a head coach. Awesome. That's uh, really cool, man. I, I love it. We've made some connections. Nice. 
um, kind of connected to where we were, but there is, I was talking to one of the parents yesterday and they had just found out that I was in remission. Yeah. Well, come to find out one of the other parents that I had told, told yeah. their kid the yeah. next morning, getting on the bus, the kid's yelling out the window to his friend saying, Hey, did you hear that coach Otto's in remission? Yeah. It, it's just like, <laughs> wait, these, these kids are 10 years old and, and they're, yeah. they're so excited. You've got that connection with yeah. them. So that's, I, I love it. I, it's it gets me back involved with a game that's given so much to me. I get to get back to it now. So, uh, oh, this has been this has been a great pleasure. Uh, again, I I I am so pleased and so happy that you were uh, you're willing to come here and be so candid about this story. Uh, again, it's it is inspirational for a lot of people, and I know that that's a big thing to just throw at you and be like, you're an inspiration, to people. Because I and it's you're it's I'm not saying that like it's putting a lot of undue things of pressure on you. Yeah. Like, but, but it's I think that giving people an example of like how to keep that that fire and like not give up and fight through when things get tough i mean that's we don't have enough stories like that i think it's I, super important i'm glad to be one i i have a hard time you know accepting that stuff a it's lot tough. of people it's have tough. said that yeah. and i i'm not a person to sit there and take a, you know i don't even care for compliments most I, of the time yeah so but i mean i no. i get it and i'm glad to be don't i, I don't want that to be interpreted wrong no I, no i, I understand, understand. and, and it, it is awkward and I, I think again it's it's not easy for people to come and do this. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, again, folks, uh, I will link everything. Uh, Friday, June 9th. Yes. Yes, there you go. All right. Friday, Last June one. 9th. I will, uh, I'll put all the links for everything. Again, uh, still fundraising for uh, for June 9th. Please uh, go to Facebook, go to Twitter. I'll send the links here. Uh, donate what you can. Help Otto get over that uh, limit. And I look forward to seeing you at upcoming Maiden Utica events Absolutely. and the Ride for Missing Children and Boilermaker and all sorts of stuff. The uh, the ride map is out as well. So awesome. if you can come out and support us on the route, it, it's awesome oh, to we're pe- gonna see people on the uh, the side of the road too. You know, we do some of these other rides yeah, yeah. and the, you're in a community where they don't know what they're doing. We try and they get, don't know what we're doing. Right last now. few years when I was at JFK, we used to get the sign out for Katie, but she yep. was always so like in the zone that she was like, yeah, fine. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Great. I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> But absolutely, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. It's my great pleasure. pleasure. Thank you, sir. Uh, we're back to the show in just a minute. Once again, Otto Eisenberg, you can follow him on Twitter at oeisen25 or oisen25, which is what I always thought it was until I had to like think about it for 10 seconds. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, yeah, I, really great conversation with Otto, though. And again, I, I know we had a conversation after he left and he sort of talked about how initially he has like, he doesn't love talking about this kind of stuff, but he also is aware that a lot of people who go through this and don't talk about it at all. And he thought it was important to get his story out there. And yeah. Hell yeah. Always talk about it. Yeah, always talk about it. It's great. All right. History lessons, guys. You ready? No? Well, that's fine. It's that time anyway. Uh, that's right. They're all in the 1900s. This... Oh, that's great. <laughs> 14 something. And... Had us in the first half. <laughs> uh, so here you go. Uh, 1940. On this day, 1940. 
Uh, Winston Churchill gave his famous We Shall Fight on the Seas and Oceans uh, speech. Uh, we Shall Fight on the Beaches is the common title given to a speech delivered by Winston Churchill to the House of Commons at the Parliament in the United Kingdom on June 4th, 1940. It was the second of three major speeches given around this period of the Battle of France. Uh, during this speech, Churchill had to describe a great military disaster and warn of a possible, uh, possible invasion attempt by the Nazis without casting doubt on eventual victory. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole quote, but I'll give you a, a dramatic reading if you'd oh, like. Let's you ready? Do it. Or you do it. I'm not going to do the British accent, though. Oh, darn. We, will, we shall fight in France, and we shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We will never surrender. Great. And scene. That's wow, not bad. That's really good. Thank you. That's all right. Yeah, I, if I'd done the British accent, it would have been like a joke I immediately. Like, I can't do like all my British accents are like comical British accents, like Cockney, like yeah. <laughs> yeah no, don't do that. Uh, two. Uh, there have been two actors in the last five years who have won major awards for portraying uh, Winston Churchill on screen. One on the big screen, one on the small screen. Can you name either of them? One won an Academy Award. One won a Primetime Emmy Award. I think it's like Anthony Hopkins. No, but he did play him just recently. It's funny you said ah. that. He was like one of the most recent people to do that. Uh, oh. 2017, Gary Oldman won an Academy Award for portraying him in the film The Dark, uh, Darkest Hour, which I didn't see mm -hmm. but heard was good. Uh, and he won it basically because he did the whole body transformation, which is like a surefire way to win an Oscar. Like just change your body, mm -hmm. totally change your whole look. And then in 2016 on the TV show The Crown, John Lithgow portrayed him and won a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actor. I feel like I couldn't see Lithgow doing... Uh, Churchill, he's no, too he's distinctive. A great actor. No, I know, I but he's so distinctive him. as like yeah. John Lithgow. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I'd have a hard time. He's like playing Bill Clinton in a uh, Bill and Hillary like stage play right now. Really? But the thing is, they're not doing. He doesn't look like Bill Clinton. He's not talking he's like just... Bill. the whole point is like just we're playing Bill and Hillary, but we're not doing any of the voices or dressing up like him. Hmm. You just have to assume we're Bill and Hillary, yeah. which seems kind of, it seems super lazy. So right? obnoxious. It's so lazy. Obnoxious thing to do. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Speaking of obnoxious, on this day, 1984, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, his seventh studio album is released. People get mad at me for saying that, I suppose. Get mad about what? About me saying, uh, making a joke about Bruce Springsteen being not so good. Oh, you see what I was doing there? I didn't even pick yeah. up on that. Whatever, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> Born in the USA was met with positive reviews and massive commercial success. It produced seven top ten hit singles and was promoted with worldwide concert tours. Uh, it received a nomination for Album of the Year in 1985. What album beat it for Album of the Year in 1985? Thriller. No. Really? From 1985, Album of the Year for the Grammys. You'll never get a tough one. Like Blondie or something like that. I'll give you the song. One of the songs is All Night Long was off the album. Oh, oh Lionel, Lionel Richie. Richie. Lionel oh, Richie. Can't Slow Down. That was the album that beat out uh, Bruce, uh, That's Bruce great, Springsteen. He's I like the song All Night Long. It's a, it's a hit. I like so. I don't think that was on this one. No. It's a good one, though, too. Where am I? That was a couple years later. <laughs> okay, I think. whatever. This, also had this, this was also the Lionel Richie album that had the song Hello on it. Oh, gosh. That Hello. video yeah. is crazy. It's, it's weird. One of the classic terrible music it's videos. It's terrible. amazing. Uh, Born in the USA helped popularize American heartland rock in the mainstream and allowed for greater success for recording artists such as John Mellencamp, Tom Petty, and Bob Seger. 
Uh, Springsteen has expressed some mixed feelings about the album, believing that his previous album, Nebraska, contained some of his strongest writing, while Born in the USA did not necessarily follow suit. The title track, he said, more or less stood by itself, but the rest of the album contained a group of songs about which he had some ambivalence. Uh, it forced him to question the way he presented his music and made him think harder about what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, title track became one of the more misunderstood songs of all time. The chorus of the song gave the feeling of positive patriotic anthem, but the lyrics depicted uh, the difficulties in marginalized working class Vietnam the veterans. famous American attention span again. <laughs> yeah. uh, because the lyrics are so overlooked, this song is popularly used by politicians during rallies, campaigns, events, and victory speeches. Uh Earlier uh, this year, Bruce Springsteen's manager said there were no plans for the band to celebrate this album's anniversary with the deluxe box reissue the way he had done for previous Springsteen albums. Which seems odd, even if he didn't like it. Why not take the free money, I suppose? Good but, enough. Yeah. Uh, so like we said, um, outside of the... T- there are seven songs on this album that became uh, charting songs, that became like top ten hit singles. Uh, one of them, obviously, is the song Born in the USA. Can you guys name any of the other six Bruce Springsteen songs in this album that became number one singles? Not I'm specifically. Fire. I bet I know what was them it? all. I'm on fire. There's one. I'm on I'm fire. I'm song by him, so. <laughs> my, shout out to my friend Dylan Rigo, who has the lyrics to that song tattooed above his kneecaps. Oh, great. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, the other ones were Dancing in the Dark, which is probably my favorite Bruce Springsteen song. I know it's not like, I just dig it. I don't know why. Uh, a song I never heard of called Cover Me. Uh, the song Glory Days. Oh, yeah. The song I'm Go- I don't really like Glory Days. Not big into that yeah, song. It's okay. It's only all right. It's I like little- that weird. What's it like that? Accordion? accordion like that weird organ. Xytophone? Is- I just am not into yeah. yeah, it's not good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Going Down and My Hometown were the other two. I didn't. I've never heard of a couple of those. But yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton of love for Bruce Springsteen. I kind of can't help but laugh when I hear him sing. Like, something about him <laughs> makes me think... I guess it's just I think of Ben Stiller doing his Bruce Springsteen impression whenever I see Bruce Springsteen. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any hotter takes about Bruce Springsteen than that, but I'll move on otherwise. Mm. All right, 1988. Uh, on this day, Big, directed by Penny Marshall, oh, starring Tom Hanks, premieres in the U.S. First... Uh, first feature film directed by a woman to gross over $100 million. That was Patty Jenkins, who most recently did uh, the blockbuster uh, Wonder Woman movie and its sequel. It's coming out. Um, Rotten Tomatoes gives this movie... Well, you guys want to guess what the Rotten Tomatoes uh, rating for this movie is? 89, Kevin? 80. 97. High approval rating for the movie, Big. Uh, critics at the time said it was uh, refreshingly sweet and undeniably funny. Big is a showcase for Tom Hanks, who dives into the role and infuses it with charm and surprising poignancy. I think the thing that people always laugh about this movie in hindsight is like, you know, Tom Hanks in a younger man's body sleeps with like a like a. Oh like yeah, which is super. It's been the hot kickup. Kick what... <laughs> so that's the hot kickup in the last ten or twelve months. I've been hearing that all like the coming around on big with people. Like, well, actually, well, it's not a. <laughs> It's in the eighties. It didn't seem as, as. But now it's like now it's like be, mm. you bougie. You wouldn't be that, <laughs> that, woman, that woman would go to jail. Yep. It there's actually a big musical that I've seen. Is um, it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. Hmm. And they actually meant they say that in the play. Like when she finds out that the, he's like a kid, she's like, "I'm gonna go to jail," and the audience laughs. I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> I guess we're just we're accepting this." Uh, this movie was nominated for Academy Award for Best Actor, Tom Hanks, and Best Original Screenplay. Uh, it is listed at number 23 on Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies, uh, 42 on AFI's 100 Years 100 Laughs, and on Empire Magazine's 500 Greatest Movies of All Time. Um, I like this movie a lot. I've been to mm-hmm. FAO Schwartz. I've done the the keyboard thing where you do the mm-hmm. it's. It's not as cool as you think it is. 
Uh, I didn't have much more on Big, but I came up with a list of my top five Tom Hanks performances in his career. And I'm going to rank them for you guys. Uh, and in typical fashion, I'm sure that you and Kevin will tell me that I'm wrong and this is a flawed list and you can point out all my mistakes. So here are my top five. And I'll start with two very quick honorable mentions. Uh, Catch Me If You Can 2002, he played FBI agent Carl Hanrady. Uh, uh, he's not really the star of that movie, which I think people forget because Leonardo DiCaprio's in it. Oh, the ice cream man's here. But he's really good in that movie. And then also in 2007, he did a movie called Charlie Wilson's War, which I don't think a lot of people saw. I, I really like that. that movie. I never heard of it. It's Again, I don't think a lot of people yeah. saw it. both probably on my top five. On your top five? Probably. Yeah. Those are my honorable mentions. Catch me if you can, definitely. I like that one. Here's my top five. Number five from 1992. Again, it's sort of a bit part, but... Uh, manager Jimmy Dugan in A League of Their Own. That was good. Just, I think you can call it a bit part. He he's not the lead. I think of him, yeah, yeah, but he's, I think he's of a, him as a major role. That's definitely major. a supporting part. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a bit part. I mean, uh, there's no crying in baseball. One of the most oh, like famous movie that. lines of all time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Um, he's really good in that movie. I yeah. think in order for it to be a bit part, you have to be in... Less than like 20% of it. Two at the most scenes. Okay. And even That's more fair. than two scenes, it's more than a bit part. All right, so number five, League of Their Number four, uh, <laughs> 1995, Toy Story, Woody. I could have picked any of the Toy Story movies, but I just went with the original one because I, I think that's the best showcase of Hanks in that role. Like that whole, you are a toy, you're a child's play thing stuff is all really good. Well, also, it's the, it's the nostalgia one, right? Like that's the one that you saw when you were a kid and it mattered. Three is an amazing movie. Three's a great Three's movie. A full, like, full yeah, but Three's like the movie. come around, like, oh, yeah. well, you know, critically, actually, you know, this, but like, Toy Story is the one that hit you in the gut when you were an actual child. Yeah. Nothing would ever beat it, no matter what the difference is. I was tempted to leave number three off the list, but it's just too much of a, a jerk move to just leave it off. So, number three, Forrest Gump, 1994. I would be just dunking on you so hard <laughs> yeah. right now. I, if you tried the hipster Forrest Gump, yeah, I, I was going to hipster, yeah. Nah. Uh, but I w it did dump Couldn't another. Be. It did dump another movie that a lot of people put in here, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, uh, number two. This is sort of the stretch, I think. Uh, 1995, Apollo 13. Yeah, he played I Jim like Lovell. That. Uh, mm. that movie that was, people uh, don't seem to care as much about now. Now, mm -hmm. but I love that movie. That when was it a came great out. movie. Yeah, yeah. Good cast too. It was like him and uh, Bill Paxton. I thought yeah. Apollo 13 would be kind of boring. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit of a snoozer. I think he's really good in it. I think I was expecting something different. I mean, again, it came out so long. I was like a kid kind of when I watched it. So yeah. maybe, maybe I'd care more now, but I'm not going to go back and rewatch it either. That was one of those movies, along with Jurassic Park, that I feel like I watched a lot yep. in that era. Yeah. Like, just really, I had it on VHS. You know what I think it was? With Apollo 13, I bought the novelization mm -hmm. at like a book fair. Sure. And I read that before I saw the movie. So I was getting a bit of the syndrome when I was watching the movie. I'm like, oh, geez, this is awfully slow. Because like, you'd already read yeah. the book. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, and number one uh, from 1998, Captain John H. Miller from Saving Private Ryan. I feel like that's mm -hmm. that's my favorite. Time. He's just so good in it. He's like he gives that whole speech about being the English teacher in the middle of the movie, and it's just he's so good in that movie. Um, so that's my top five. Uh, anything anything I got wrong on here? There's yeah. one obvious one that I I didn't put on here. Is it cast? Castaway. Yeah, I, I liked didn't... Castaway. The, the mm -hmm. motions in it. I I actually cried in that movie at the end. Near the end. I thought that movie was great. I think I... I don't know what it was about that movie. I might have just missed it. It might have just not been, like, time or place. But it just didn't... I don't know. I, I didn't care for it as much as like, everyone else seemed to like it at the time. But that was my... Yeah, one. you can give a shout-out to The Green Mile. Oh, um, yeah. I know you don't really like The Green Mile, but The Green... He's he, good in it. He was very good in The Green Mile. Yeah. Um, we did say Catch Me If You Can. I thought he was really good in The Terminal. 
Um, yeah, kind of underrated movie. Good in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never really he's, saw Philadelphia. He's one though. of those guys that he hasn't really missed too much in his career. Turner and Hooch was funny. Though. And even well, in, like even in crappy what? movies he was in, he was still the best part. Yeah, yeah. Money Pit, the, the Birds, the Lady Killers, Lady Birds, <laughs> Birds in a crappy movie. Well, like, it's not, it's a wild thing. I don't like that. Like, the Burbs and Money Pit and, like, Joe vs. Volcano and Turner and Hooch and, like, these early era movies don't lead you to think that he's going to be, like, in Saving Private Ryan and stuff. His career really is fascinating. Mm -hmm. I went through the the filmography. Is he our best American actor? Our best actor? No. Daniel Lewis is American, is he? No, he's not American. But, like, no, as far as, like, best pound for pound actor for being broad and being able to do different roles? No, certainly not. Is he our that. best treasure as an American actor? <laughs> for sure. Yeah, American like, is treasure. He the best, is he the best pound-for-pound pound skilled actor? We have not. I think he's but one of the people. But is he our, like, our best? Like, should he be the captain of our team? 100%. America's dad. Tom Hanks. Yeah, that's a good way. He's dad. like Jeter. Jeter's not a better baseball player than A-Rod, but God damn it, Jeter's the captain of that team. That's very true. Uh, you have any takes on Tom no, Hanks for the next good. one? I'm All right. Good. On this day, you might have to carry me in this one because I didn't watch this show. On this day, 1998, television sitcom Sex in the City premiered. Uh, on on HBO, uh, it ran for a total of ninety four episodes, which seems like a mistake because you need to get to a hundred to reach that syndication number. But I guess it doesn't matter for HBO shows; it's probably sudden different. They're getting all those. Like... I syndicated the show out of it anyway. Yeah, it was all like TBS and TNT and all that stuff. I guess the episodes are and long. The movies and the movies. That's right. Uh, set and filmed in New York and based on a real life author, nineteen ninety seven book of the same name uh, by Candace Bushnell. Uh, the show follows the lives of a group of four women in their mid-30s and one in their 40s who, despite their different natures and ever-changing sex lives, remain inseparable and confide in each other. Uh, Heather, did you, you you liked the show a lot? I yes. loved it. It was one of the first shows that actually talked about sex and talked about it in a norm. Like, you could sit there yeah. and talk about it and talk about things that you... These women were talking about things that we never would really talk about with a group of friends. I never... Like, this was not a show for me, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> but even at the time, I think we were hearing, like, this show's, like, people discussing the frank discussions about sex from mm-hmm. the women on this show at the time. Um, I mean, people love it in a way that, like, in the same way that I, like, love The Sopranos. So I can only assume that, like, those two shows kind of helped really hit home that HBO was the jam in this era. Kev, did you ever watch Sex in the City for any reason? Um, yeah, I mean, I've dated girls, like, you know, <laughs> no, really, like, I mean, at the, period, yeah. at the period of time before, like, streaming services were everywhere, Sex and the City DVDs were a pretty popular purchase for, yeah. right, and, like, so for regulars, let's toss on some episodes of some shit while yeah. we're hanging out, so I definitely saw, um, not really any, like, coherent, like, episode after episode, but I've seen a, a heavy enough handful of episodes to be able to... Mm. Say that I've seen it. I think the only thing I ever think of is when they make fun of uh, Samantha on... He's like, I'm Samantha. I have sex with everybody. <laughs> and that's, like, unfortunately, like, the weird narrative I have of the show. I just assume it's, like, the cartoon it's not wrong. That's not wrong. <laughs> well, that's true. That's, that's not wrong. Uh, did you like the movies, Heather? I'm going to ask you just because you were a fan of... I like of the, the first one. That seems to be the general consensus. the only one I... The, the, trick, just the trick with... We just, we just choked on that Deadwood movie the other day, and I think it's the same kind of thing... The trick with any of these TV shows when you make a movie is that it ends up just being a really long episode of the show. Yeah. Especially like these HBO shows like The Sex and the City and Deadwood and Entourage and and any of these. I'm trying to think. Is that a show or a series? They're making a prequel movie, aren't they? Yeah, but that's that's different. Yeah, yeah. That's entirely different. That's not the same characters telling the story. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Even like the Aqua Teen movie, the South Park movie, they're all just like really long episodes. And they try to make a prequel of. 
uh, Sex and City, Carrie's Diaries, it was called. Yes, on the CW. I, I actually loved that show. Yeah. They completely did not go with it. It's interesting you say that because they made a point to say that because they were trying to sort of tackle the nature of these women at the time, mm-hmm. the original series almost didn't at all mm. talk about their backstories. Like, very rarely delved into anything outside of their current mm-hmm. situations, which is an interesting way to do things, I think, actually. I think in a show like that, it makes it... Uh, I think that's a smarter move for a show like that. I think you would get weighed down trying to turn it into, like, backstory and... Yep. Oh, remember mm-hmm. this Just thing that happened at, to Sarah good. Jessica Parker when she was in college that yeah. makes her feel this way now that she's a, you know, impossibly rich mag- magazine columnist. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, so let's go to the next one. Last but not least, on this day, 2017, the Amazing World of Dr. Seuss Museum opened in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, Dr. Seuss, uh, a.k.a. Theodore Geisel, uh, wrote and illustrated more than 60 books under the pen name Dr. Seuss. He wrote, uh, his works included many of the most popular children's books of all time, selling over 600 million copies and being translated into more than 20 languages by the time of his death. Uh, he adopted the name Dr. Seuss as an undergrad student at Dartmouth and then later as a graduate student at Oxford. He left Oxford in 1927 to begin his career as an illustrator and cartoonist for Vanity Fair Life and other publications. His first book, uh, and I think, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, which I do oh my remember. Oh, we have to read that twice a week to catch. Yeah, he likes that one. Loves I'm glad that, that still holds up. That yeah, some of this still stuff holds up. Uh, during World War II, he took a brief hiatus from children's literature to illustrate political cartoons, and he also worked in the anim- uh, in the animation film department for the U.S. Army. He wrote and produced a live action, uh, an animated version of something called Design for Death, which later won the 1947 Academy Award for mm-hmm. Best Directorial Feature. A best uh, best documentary feature. Um, there are uh, I took a list up here of the five best selling Dr. Seuss books of all time. Do you guys want to take a shot before we move on? At the top five best selling. All the selling. places you will go: the Lorax, the Cat, Hop on the Hat, Pop, Hop Green on Eggs, Pop, Green Eggs, and Ham. One, two, one fish, two fish, three fish. You got uh, you got three of the four. Uh, five was all the places you'll go. That's uh, literally the first thing I said. That's the first thing. Yeah, that, yeah, you got. Oh, yeah, oh he's yeah, going yeah. backwards. Yeah, okay. number five was all the places you'll go, uh, which seems to be like a a common graduation People, gift. Yeah, yeah right. It's an everything gift. Yeah. Uh, number four is just Doctor Seuss's ABC, which I guess makes oh, yeah, sense. Oh uh, Although it seems forgot that was a thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, four is Cat in the Hat. Three is One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, which when I was a kid was probably my favorite mm-hmm. one. And then uh, 1960, number one, Green Eggs and Ham, which I hated because my name was Sam, oh, Sam. and that was like Sam a big I thing. And I oh my god, that was such a low-hanging fruit when I you're like Green Eggs and Ham because it had that dope orange cover. It did okay. have the good orange cover, and in hindsight, I, I appreciate the I, uh, the Sam I Am stuff now when I'm in like my 30s. But better, when, better Sam I Am I was, than I Am Sam. That's true. That's so very true. So, if you so know, ex- you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited in Inlet. They had like someone was selling a schoolhouse was closing, so they were selling all oh, really? their books. So I got Doctor Seuss books for 25 cents. Okay. But now, if you go buy one, they're like 14 bucks for. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Uh, wow, we were pretty long in this history lessons. I didn't mean we were going to go so long. Uh, let's interesting. Let's blast through a couple bits from other blogs. They're kind of short this week. Uh, Number one, these are both sort of food-based. Number one, is it acceptable to have a a meal with no beverage? Could you have like a steak dinner with nothing to drink? I mean, I've I've sat down at the table for like water. Acceptable, like it's all a matter of preference. It's acceptable. I think we do whatever the hell they want to. I feel like I couldn't get through. What am I going to get mad? Like, I can't eat because you're not drinking something. <laughs> I don't know if I could eat sit. however you want. If you gave me, so I gave you a steak dinner with mashed potatoes and green beans, how long into the meal before you realized you didn't have a drink? 
No, you, I would have to have a drink. <laughs> I, I, I have to have a drink with but like it's not. I'm not mad at other folks for not doing it. I couldn't say that it's unacceptable. I'll make sure Cass always has a drink with his meal, but sometimes I'll forget my own. Mm. But like, I yeah, I couldn't eat without like some sort of glass of water. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I feel like even at the bare minimum, I'm just going to... There's usually water at the table when you sit down. I couldn't imagine just having nothing there in front of you. Like, just like a savage eating a steak with nothing. Uh, all right, let's go to the... And this one's mostly a question for Kevin. Uh, sort of a bar-type question. Ah, uh, uh, what's up, Heather? Hey, whatever. Uh, oh, I don't know. Have you worked any bars lately? No, lately. Right. Uh, Kevin, this is just something I'm curious about. Uh, this is a question about people who take advantage of samples for beers. What's your preference on people who want to sample a beer? Is there a cutoff limit? Um, yeah, uh, the, the cutoff limit is the second sample off any tap line. Mm. Other than that, you can sample every tap line we have. Okay. We're here to get you to try to like a beer so that you buy a beer. And people aren't going to take chances with their money in the grocery store. So let if they want to try something, really, though, if yeah. they want to try something when they're in the bar, they might not try otherwise. Yeah, you encourage them to find something new that they like that you just so happen to have on draft. So yeah, sample one of everything. But if you come back around and be like, oh, geez, I'm not really sure. I'd like to try that one again now. It's like, meh. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. You no, only no. get one Where's of Where's your money? It just makes me think of that episode of Curb where Larry's behind the lady at the ice cream place and she's trying all the different flavors and he's just ragging on her the whole time. That's all I could think of. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to, we'll just hit a couple of these quick since we've gone very long. Uh, did you guys see about the eight people who won the spelling bee, the script spelling bee this year? There were eight champions. It's the first time ever. I'm surprised that hasn't happened earlier. I'm surprised that at the end of the day, lot, like, it's, it's just, it's spelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Apparently, they ran out of words. That was the problem. Like, they, they got to, like, the final eight, 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 eight contend the new territory where we've run out of words to give you. So, you are all winners. Kind of seems anthematic. I feel like there's not, like, a list of, like, ultra hard words in, like, a vault There somewhere. is, but that's what they're using. <laughs> like, they're already using those words. That's true. Yeah, some of the they words... Can't, they can't, like, chop out there afterwards and be like, all right, well, we ran out of all the big words, so, uh, I don't know, uniform. And then it was like, of course I can spell that. I'm not, like, an idiot. Uh, you just run out of words to use. Yeah. Champion spellers, we are now in uncharted territory. We do have plenty of words remaining on the list, but we will soon run out of words that will possibly challenge you in most phenomenal collection of super spellers in the history of this competition, is what they said. I think it's just them trying to cover the fact they didn't come up with enough words. That's what I'm saying. Uh, some of these words are wild, though. Like, um, I can't even say some of these words. Like, here's one for I can pronounce. Bougainvillea. You guys want to take a shot at Bougainvillea? A tropical woody vine with brilliant flowers. Have you want to give it a shot? B O mm -hmm. U. Yep. G. Yep. I N. Mm, so I close. I Boogin. E N. E N. A N. A N. Boogin Valley. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you guys want one more? We'll move on to the next one. Kevin wants the next one. You want the next one, Kev? He does. Sure. Augulette, a military shoulder cord. Agile, I can't even know can if I can say pronounce it. In a it. Sentence? <laughs> the agalette hung from the the shoulder of the military. That is that a u a u g e l e t t e? Uh, it's closer to the a. It's actually a i g u i l l e t t e, like agulette. I don't even. It seems like a French spelling. Mm. I don't know. These are all tough. Some I would questions about your pronunciation. I, I mean, I'm sure that my. I'm sure it was bad. I, there's no, no question. Of protest. <laughs> Uh, Alright, so let's move on to the next one. I feel like I would... I, I think I'm an okay speller, but you couldn't put me I'm up in front okay. of people on the spot and give me a word. I would almost immediately screw that up, I feel like. It's the it's like the Jeopardy question. We watch like Jeopardy. We watch this guy who's on the streak. 
Is he is still he, on it? I, I'm. The minute we're done recording, I'm gonna go turn it on. Yeah, I'm not okay. gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it for you then. Oh no! No, well, that doesn't sound good. All right. Uh, so let's get to this. We talked about the Sopranos very briefly, Kevin. Uh, Tony Soprano's house, the house from New Jersey that the show was filmed at, is up for sale. Are you interested in buying it? Am I interested in New Jersey? No, I'm not. <laughs> Fifty six hundred square feet. For a cool $3.4 million. I can get that square footage for less money in New York. I, I feel like if I was going to live in some famous like house from a thing I like, I don't know if Tony's house is highest on I the list. I don't like that like new money Italian McMansion look. I'm yeah, not it's not a great look. Like, yeah. Um, I was... Uh, Heather, anything for you? You want to no, buy... No, you keep going. What about, what's the house that you would buy? Like, what about the Adams Family house? You buy that house? No. Well, I seem like I'd buy an Adams Family house? I'd buy that before I'd buy the... Tarot I would buy that before I'd do the Soprano yeah. house, too. I'm trying to think. There's not, like, any, like, famous, like, houses or locations I'd want to buy from any shows I can think of off the Yeah, top. there is if you sit down and think about if it. If I sit down and think about it. I mean, I just watched Deadwood. Sheriff Bullock's house seemed pretty dope. No, it didn't. It was made out of wood. Yeah, but just he built it himself. So you didn't. That's a great point. That's a great point. <laughs> Yeah, Sheriff Bullock built it. Uh, all right. And uh, my last one, I guess, before we get into our final thing. Did you guys see we have a new name for natural gas this week? Yeah, Freedom Gas. Yeah, freedom Gas. Who, did, who are we The Liars. <laughs> the Liars the at the Department of Liars. trying to make gas sound bad. Like it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, last Tuesday, there was a press release touting natural gas as, quote, unquote, freedom gas. Full of, and this is a real quote, molecule, molecules of U.S. freedom. Unquote. Come on. Come on, guys. You're not even trying anymore. Oh, man. I need to get some freedom gas. Pop that in the doomsday oh, wow. report. That should have been the doomsday report. That's just a sign that the world's ending. 100%. Uh, just made it perfectly clear. All right. Um, so last but not least, uh, I found a website that I just immediately deleted from my phone like an idiot. Uh, and it was really, really interesting. It was someone had taken all the Google searches for every city in the United States. And what they did, they replaced the city with the name of the most wikipedia person to live in that city, okay? So, for example... You have Utica? Well, they have Utica. I'm going to get to it. In in Westbury, West Newbury, Massachusetts, what do you think it would be called if it was named after the most wikipedia person? John Cena. John Cena, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. That's correct. What would Syracuse be called? Jim Beheim. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, New York. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Why, is he from there? Yep. Tom Cruise? Yeah. yeah. How about, Why don't they talk about that? I don't know. Actually, I see why they don't anymore. <laughs> yeah, because it's a psychology. Weird. How about Buffalo? Buffalo, New York. What would Buffalo, New York be called? I don't know. Mark Twain, New York. Mm. How about Jamestown, New York? Who's the most famous person from Jamestown, New York? Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball, New York. Anyone, you guys want to get back to Utica and close it out? All right. Can you guess, before we get there, what Utica's new name would be? It's most... Would it be a beer? No, it is not. It is not a beer. It is a musician. It's a musician. Joe Bonamassa? Joe Bonamassa, New York. That would be the name of Utica. That's cool. I want that website. That guy website. doesn't even you go here. It's not for yeah, I'll say it's a website. It's called, the website has a terrible name. It's called Pudding.Cool. I don't know where I found it, but that was where it's from. It's pretty interesting. Joe Bonamassa, New York. So live from the Joe Bonamassa cast here in episode two. Oh, that's positive that guy's not from Utica. I think he is. That's like people used to come in FYE and say that to me all the time. Like, oh, you got any oh, Joe you Bonamassa look, you stuff? Look him up on Wikipedia. You want me to look him up right now? I'm gonna look him up right now. Joe As Bonamassa. In the yeah. Do you want to do the outro while I'm looking this up? You want to do all my my no, lines? You got it. Ugh, all right. You're so good at it. 
<laughs> All right. Joe Bonamassa, he is born in New Hartford, New York on May 8th. 1977. That's, that's, I mean, that's like that's you where I'm at. It's <laughs> a completely different town or thank city. You. It's not even the same place. Uh, all right, thank, thank you. you. Thank I can't you. I can't believe you put that in there. Thank it's you. just so lies. Thank you, folks, for joining that's us this week on episode 206. We are two weeks away from our four year anniversary. Do you guys know that? Four years. You lied. I'm, I didn't come up with <laughs> really? it. Really? Uh, yeah, two weeks away from our wow. four year anniversary. It's gone very quickly, at least for me. Uh, Follow Heather at Twitter at HeatherWaz1. You follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. You can follow me at SFD. Or just follow the show at Uticast. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud. Uh, I guess Snapchat vaguely. It's I just, just started Snapchat. Oh, God. It's the worst. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, terrible. Uh, Stitcher Podcast, Apple Podcast, we're taking over the web. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. Sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Join us for Barks and Brews this weekend, Sunday, June 9th. And, of course, June 7th, uh, Ride for Missing Children. Go donate to Otto. He deserves it. Great guy. Thank you guys again for joining us. And, we, as always, we're happy to have you here. See you next time.